0: New York sports fans, I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle in the daytime, or is it Danielle at dinner time? As I sit here with my chicken uh, teriyaki wrap, we're talking all things with New York sports, right up to the Brooklyn Nets coverage begins later tonight on this extra special Super Bowl Saturday. Everything is coming up super good today. It's currently 54 degrees on a sunny Saturday afternoon. In February here in Manhattan, and today is just one of those days where you just look around, you inhale deeply, and you're like, I just feel grateful to be alive. And, you know, in any event, we are here in the Big Apple, Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Robert Studio, or the Mike Francesa Studio here in Lower Manhattan, whatever you're doing. I appreciate you tuning into my show right now, and you know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phone. It's 877-337-6666. As always... Let's load them up with your best, most informed takes only.
1: I just wanna
0: say that I was wrong.
2: Yeah. I was wrong.
0: I'm not wrong often, but, but when I am, I mean, so this is my first show following the NBA trade deadline. And last week, my recommendation was for the Nets to keep Harden and for the Knicks to dump Randall. Well, as the deadline passed, and I gave reasons, well thought out reasons for both of them, but as as the deadline came and went in the minutes following it, all I can think about is how maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe these two teams got it wrong. As for the Knicks first, I mean, the Knicks did nothing. They literally did nothing at the 2022 trade deadline. And I wondered if the phones even worked in that building. See, to me, That means that this Knicks team is just going to ride out the rest of the season and come what may. Yet, again, that team is stuck in NBA standing purgatory. I look at this as like a two-pronged thing. A, the Knicks weren't actively trying to get better by bringing in some maybe ready-made players to help out Julius Randle, who, by the way is a guy that is expected to play like a, a number one guy, who gets paid like a number two guy, and who would realistically be a number three or a four guy on a good team. I opened last week's show by stating that I hoped it was the last time that I would talk to you why Julius Randle was still a Nick. Well, he's still inconceivably here. There's no doubt that in the midst of his most... W- Terrible worst statistical season in his career that his trade value was through the basement floor. And of course, that extension that he signed last August definitely factored into this. Four years, $117 million in case you forgot. A low trade value and a huge contract are not recipes for trade bait. So, Randall is still a Nick, And maybe his stats in the last five games he's played during the month of February could give the Knicks fans some hope that he could rebound and be the player that he was just last year. Because this February, he's off to a pretty good start. He's, uh, in February alone, that is, 47% 47 field goal percentage, eh. But 27 points per game, 12 rebounds per game. But again, his plus-minus is still only a negative 6.4. So... And B, the other reason that the Knicks, currently 12th in the Eastern Conference standings, finds themselves yet again in purgatory, is that they weren't actively looking to turn the page to next season and beyond either. To answer the question I posed before, the phone lines were in fact working at the Garden. The Lakers called from L.A. What is that area code? 301, I think. 301 area code shows up at the Garden. They wanted to bring Cam Reddish aboard in L.A. Leon Rose rejected the offer that allegedly would have sent some draft picks to Knicks for him. The same Cam Reddish who has played 23 minutes per game in Atlanta, left there in search of a bigger role, hadn't yet found it through the trade deadline in New York. The same Cam Reddish who, through the trade deadline, averaged just 10 minutes per game as a Nick. And that same Cam Reddish that heard the chants of, we want Cam, we want Cam at the Garden. Tom Thibodeau must have been given a direct directive from the GM because Reddish, after the trade deadline and their only game, and I know they're playing right now. I have it on in the studio here. It's a commercial. But Reddish played 19 minutes and 24 seconds Thursday night, his highest for sure as a Knicks so far. And I say it every time I'm here, I think. Give the kid some time. See what he can do. Enough with the nonsense already. The team isn't making the playoffs anyway. And oh, scary hours. What a joke. Scary hours. The three headed superstar monster of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, the big three that were supposed to bring a championship to Brooklyn last season and beyond, the big three that now looks, well, Hardenless with Durant on the shelf for at least through the All-Star break, and Irving as a part-time player. Scary hours that amounted to to 365 total minutes played together. Wow. But in those minutes that they did play together, the Nets had a 13-3 record and a 125.4 offensive rating. Oh, what could have been. You know what? Why don't you just start writing the screenplay for the 30 for 30 now? I call it Nightmare Minutes. Not scary hours, Nightmare Minutes. The 13th month chronicle of how three of the NBA's biggest superstars teamed up in an outer borough, forced the team to mortgage its future, and could not come together to deliver on their promise. Would you watch it? I would. On March 10th, the Nets play in Philadelphia, the last regular season matchup between the two teams. So Ben Simmons is going to bear the brunt of that, and Nets fans won't be able to voice their displeasure with James Harden, who now has forced his way out of two teams in a little over one calendar year. And would you believe it? The Nets, they they, they might not even make the playoffs. So Nets fans might not even be able to get the chance to voice their disdain at Harden then. Because as it stands right now, the Nets, they're sitting at eighth in the Eastern Conference. They're only four spots higher than the Knicks, and I know all the teams are real close there. But if the season ended today, which is my favorite cliche in the world, the Nets would have to play a a play-in game, and there's no guarantees there. The Nets are riding an embarrassing 10-game losing streak, having won only two of their last 13 games. Ultimately, the question is, will the Nets be better off without James Harden? Well, that'll remain to be seen. Ben Simmons has not played in a single NBA game this entire season. His last game was a playoff loss to the Hawks on June 20th. And I asked Siri earlier today, that was a full 237 days ago. We talk often here about being in shape versus being in game shape, as being two entirely different things. And the best example of this that I have experienced in my life is, okay, I was in high school, which was not that long ago. I was in high school. I was probably in the best shape of my life. I played volleyball in the fall. But every season when basketball tryouts happened on Thanksgiving weekend, oof, I mean, I mean, look out. Although I was in great, like, regular shape, even coming off a full volleyball season – Basketball shape was something else. I mean, legs so sore that that walking up and down stairs was excruciating. I mean, I think even my hands would hurt me. Like your palms, like where you would catch a ball right there. That would hurt me. And obviously I didn't play at the NBA level or anything close to it. But I can't imagine how a guy who has not played in a professional basketball game in almost a year would feel, if that's the way I feel, felt Trying out for high school basketball every year. So what would a ramp up look like for Ben Simmons? How long would it take? Would Simmons even be able to play in time for this season? We can't answer those questions as much as we want to. We can't. He's not a shooter, but he's an okay defender. And Lord knows that the Nets need all the help they can get on defense. And he's also is a quote eager to play here. Something Harden wasn't at the end. So that's got to count for something, right? And then there's Andre Drummond, the big guy that the Nets have needed for such a long time, ever since Jaron Allen was shipped out. But will his six points per game, 14 minutes per game, and eight rebounds per game so far this season be enough? I don't know about that. And then finally there's Seth Curry, who is a very good shooter, especially... Behind the arc. And when you look at the NBA's all-time three-point percentage leaders, all-time, you're going to find Joe Harris' name third, 44% clip. And Seth Curry's tied for fourth with a Nets legend, you know him well, Petrovich, at a a 44% clip. So that's got a good shooter back. And now, speaking of Joe Harris, sidelined since November 14th, had surgery on the 29th, and it was only supposed to be out four to eight weeks. And then there was a setback, and now there's a real chance and a real fear that he might not play again this season. And he might need a second ankle uh, surgery. So uh, a decision is going to come this week, I I believe. I'm pretty sure. So stay tuned for that. Not that I know, but I'm just saying the timeline of all this, right? And in the meantime, I mean, Seth Curry is a nice little piece to have, especially in that worst-case scenario. I think I'm most excited about Seth Curry, to be honest. Oh, and the Nets also got two first-round picks, an area which they were devoid of since acquiring James Harden to begin with. And then Kevin Durant, when asked about the trade, said, everyone got what they wanted. That was a quote. So does that mean that the Nets will have a video tribute for James Harden when he returns to the Barclays Center? (laughs) Here's a question to consider from another perspective. After all that we just talked about and after what, or I guess before what we're going to talk about, Could you blame James Harden for wanting out of this situation where, you know, it wasn't what he signed up for? Where, I'm asking, is the pressure on on Kyrie Irving. Where are the questions wondering why Harden was the one that was forced out of the situation? They say three's a crowd, right? There's a story that just came out, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, that said that Harden, quote, looked at Kyrie like he had three heads, end quote, when Irving started burning sage in the Nets locker room in Cleveland. When asked about the trade, Irving said, I can't really say that you feel that in the locker room, so to say, but we get hints. Yeah, hints that Harden was disgruntled by being the Nets number one because mostly Irving was so just dug in about not wanting to get vaccinated, playing part time. And still getting paid pretty handsomely. Honestly, I'd be pretty pissed too. So maybe, maybe, maybe consider it this way. That Harden didn't quit in Brooklyn. Maybe he just quit the situation in Brooklyn that he did not sign up for when he arrived. Which was supposed to be playing alongside a perfectly content, a part-time superstar player that then was exacerbated by the fact that that he had to shoulder the load of the team increasingly more dependent upon him with the long-term injuries to Joe Harris and Kevin Durant. Maybe, just maybe, consider it from that perspective. Yeah, man, would I not? What would I give to be Danny California right now? Through the end of the game on Sunday, the National Weather Service has enacted a heat advisory for the city of Los Angeles. At kickoff, 85 degrees, 11% humidity. Perfect. Danny, California, sign me up. And, and while I might not be there right now, I was at SoFi Stadium earlier in the season. And let me tell you, it is an architectural masterpiece it, 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 for a few reasons. One, it's dug deep into the ground. Because there are building height restrictions in and around LAX. Its capacity can expand from 70,000 to 100,000 people. It was designed by the same guys, the same company that designed Lucas Oil Stadium, which I also went to this past season. Beautiful still, even. The, uh, the Viking Stadium, they also designed, uh, which is high up on my list to go to soon and next. There was one more, and I can't remember. I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's got this see-through canopy roof with open-air walls. And, and, and actually, the roof tiles can be shifted as open or as closed as, as they want them to be. And it's mostly climate-controlled. The roof filters out the UV light, and, and it cools the inside, air quotes there, inside of the stadium. About four degrees cooler than it is on the outside of the stadium. Uh, the roof actually also has, from the top, like the bird's-eye view, has... The ability to display with LED lights, live images. So how cool would that be to see if if it's nighttime, you're flying into LAX and you're looking out the window and you've got live images, a game being projected from the field through the roof into your plane window and your visibility. How cool is that? But pilots, please don't be distracted, okay? I, I don't want you to be distracted by that. And then when you really stand back and you really look at it like it's a piece of architectural artwork... Which it is. You'll notice that it was actually constructed, you know, the Pacific Ocean's right there, but it was actually constructed to look like a wave. And it really does. Like, look at the pictures of it. Like, from multiple vantage points, including inside the stadium, in the escalators, it looks like the curvature of an ocean wave. Just an actual amazing stadium. And when we were there, we were all talking to each other and wondering how we all, as Giants and Jets fans... Ended up with such a gray dump that has met Life Stadium. And they say f- for things to come true, you have to speak things into existence. Well, you are my witness. I don't know how it's going to happen. But February 12, 2023, I will be at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona for 50- Super Bowl 57. And thinking about the big game, you know, the Rams are 7-3 and three at home this season, including the playoffs. And the Bengals are 7-3 and three on the road this season, including the playoffs. Sounds like an unstoppable force, immovable object kind of thing to me, no? You oh know, yeah, as you might already know, it's the underdog Cinderella story Bengals in their black jerseys and white pants, taking on the home team, Glitz and Glam, Los Angeles Rams. They'll be playing in their white jerseys and yellow pants. And based solely on the uniforms, I'm picking the Bengals. I like the color combination, the look, way better than the Rams. And as far as the game analysis and prediction, well, I'm not giving it up just yet. You're going to have to stay locked into the show tonight. And by the way, a little nugget for you betters out there, of the 55 iterations of the Super Bowl, the team that has worn white jerseys has won the big game 35 times. So if you're superstitious, or even a little stitious, out of all of the Super Bowls ever played, the team wearing white jerseys has hoisted the Lombardi trophy 64% of the time. So it's the showdown between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. And, and however you say Cooper Cup, it makes me think of like, I don't know why. Makes me think of um the game, Mario Kart. He sounds like a character at Mario Kart. Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. Anyway. Don't forget the guy that that we know well around here, Odell Beckham Jr. He is literally on baby watch, like, right now. Like, his girlfriend is due any minute, and that's no exaggeration. He's going to play, right? The Bengals, in their third trips to to, to the Super Bowl, they're looking for their first win. And, And the last time they were there was when our very own Boomer Esiason was their quarterback, who, by the way, I'm wearing his number seven Jets jersey right now. And no need to flippantly toss this one, or anyone for that matter, aside. And then you've got the Rams in their fifth trip to the Super Bowl, looking for their second win. And believe it or not, this is the lowest-seeded Super Bowl on record. Both the Rams and the Bengals were the fourth seed. And you know the Madden video game franchise? It's just so lifelike in its roster construction, player ratings, the whole thing. It's really amazing. Anyway, they ran the official Super Bowl iteration of the game. And Madden 2022 predicted a Bengals win over the Rams 24 21 with Joe Burrow winning MVP. I don't have those two numbers, uh, those numbers in the pools that I'm in. I'm in two, technically, sort of kind of three pools. One of them is free. So it's the Rocket Mortgage one. I'm in that one, <laughs> right? $50,000. Why not? But it's just a video game, right? Well, Madden had predicted the, the Super Bowl, the video game Madden, had predicted the, the winner of the Super Bowl accurately in 13 of the past 18 years, which is a 72% clip. It even nailed the exact score in Super Bowl forty nine. so just saying. As I look to my right at the, at the, the, uh, the TV in the studio, the Knicks are down 9 nothing to the Trailblazers right now. That's not the start you're looking for. And the MLB owners meeting happened today and uh, it didn't go well, so it seems. But I'm not there. But accounts on Twitter are saying that the meeting lasted for an hour or less than an hour. The owners budged a tiny bit on their dollar amount proposals I've seen. But let's just do this. We will get to all of the latest breaking news with the John Heyman at 620, about an an hour from right now here on The Fan. Baseball fans, you don't want to miss that. And, hey, speaking of baseball slash softball – Craig tweeted on Thursday about a big WFAN charity softball game happening in May. Team Boomer and Geo versus Team Carton and Roberts. Well, based on my performance in our exhibition softball game last summer, and they know, they know, I'm here as a free agent just wondering whose team I'm on. So how do we hammer out a deal here? I'm uh, I'm playing. I'm playing. Oh, I'm playing all right. And I wonder which team will want me. Oh, and one more thing before we head to break. I'm headed out to a game this week. Tuesday night, I'll be at the Devils-Tampa Bay Lightning game at The Rock. I didn't have to grovel for any tickets. My cousin got them. He's taking four of us. So if you want to stop by and say hey, we'll be sitting in Section 19, center ice, and I'll have on a red Martin Brodeur jersey, number 30, that was sent to me by Sam at The Devils. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it very much. Can't wait to rock it. Can't wait to wear it. And you guys that might be there, feel free to say, hey, but don't get crazy out there. I'll be with a police sergeant and a police captain. We're a blue family. And, oh, my cousin from Tampa Bay, who I talk about often, yeah, he's going to be with us, too. And he'll be the one wearing the Kucherov jersey. What an idiot. Let's get it going. I've set the table for you. Can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. Danielle in the daytime. Or, Or is it Danielle at dinnertime? Here on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. This is Snoop Dogg you're listening to right now. One of the few performers at the Super Bowl halftime show throughout the show tonight. You're going to get uh, some tunes from, from all of the performers. So uh, if, if you love them, you can get all hyped up for it. Or if you don't know who they are, at least you can sit there tomorrow at your party and say, hey, at least I heard these songs before. And Connor just cued uh, me up and said, we have a very special VIP surprise guest on the phone right now, Connor, go ahead. Put him through. Hello.
3: Uh, Coach, Danielle, what do I call you?
0: <laughs> Boomer.
3: <laughs> yes, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
3: Look, you're on my softball team. Don't worry about that.
0: Oh, that
3: Really? I've been claimed? Yeah, 100%. What position would you like to play?
0: Listen, we talked about this once before. I could play whatever. Yeah. I actually played catcher this past summer, and you said you needed a catcher last time. I can do I can do whatever you need me to do.
3: Right. And you know, I don't think Eddie Casari would mind that cuz he's usually our catcher, but he likes to take a couple, you know, innings off in the middle of the uh the game, sure. so I think that might work out for you.
0: Yeah, whatever. Whatever you need. I'm typically a shortstop by trade, but but I know you always have a backlog of no, 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 no. <laughs>
3: Shortstop, everybody thinks they're a shortstop, uh, Danielle, and, and maybe you are a great shortstop. I'm not really sure, but uh, I got CeeLo as my shortstop, so you know I'm, I, I can't take him off the field. Yeah,
0: fine. Totally understand. Where, wherever you want to put right, me, coach.
3: Good. <laughs> good, good. All right, I got you.
0: Yeah. You're on my team. I don't want
3: you to worry about it. I saw you on Twitter worrying about which team you were on. You're yeah. going to be on my team.
0: All right, great. But, hey, do you have a date on that, by the way? Uh, no, we
3: don't. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> No, all right, we do not. And, uh, you know, anything that has something to do with Craig Carton, we're not really sure what he's talking
0: about. <laughs> Until it happens, right?
3: Exactly. You know, it takes a while for him to figure things out, and then I have to get involved and clean it up, and, <laughs> and then we'll have to make it, uh, hopefully it's going to be in May on a Sunday, but I, I'm i hoping that it's not Mother's Day, because if it's Mother's Day, that's not happening.
0: Mm. Well, let me, th- I'm looking at my calendar. My my birthday's May 17th. That's... Uh... That's a Tuesday, though. So we're we're good. We're clear. All
3: right. That's (laughs) fine. So you'll be on my team, and you're all good, okay? All right.
0: Boomer, you know, I I thought this was a joke, actually. Connor is like, hey, I got a guest for you on on hold. And I was like, okay. I was like, who is it? He goes, it's Boomer. I was like, okay, you're right. Because we were just talking about, I swear to God, Connor, you you could vouch for me, right? We were just talking about how I'm sitting here in a number seven Jets jersey. And you were the, I think I told you this once, you were the first jersey that I ever had in my whole life. And now, and now we're going to be teammates. It's kind of it's kind of crazy to me, actually.
3: Yeah, well, you can't have number seven. I can tell you that. <laughs>
0: no, no, a seventeen is good for me.
3: Uh, seventeen is good. Oh, well, Maddie Martz might have seventeen. Oh
0: man! All right, all right. You might have to come
3: up with another one. Maybe
0: ninety-nine.
3: Ninety-nine. And- wow. Okay, ninety-nine. I can make that happen. Okay. Yes.
0: All right. All right. Wow, man, this is awesome, Boomer. I appreciate it. So, you
3: actually thought that Connor was playing a prank on
0: you? I did. Yeah, he's like, I got Boomer potted up. I was like, okay. We were just talking about it. I thought, I thought he was joking. I said, you're, you're, you know, essing me right now. He goes, no, I swear to God.
3: <laughs> well, I was just listening to you, and you're you're sitting there complaining, trying to figure out which team you were going to be on, and yeah. I just figured you that you knew you would be on my team.
0: I wasn't sure. Honestly, I wasn't sure. But you know what? I can I can rest easy now. I, I know that I'm going to be on your team, and I know we're going to win. That's it. I play to win.
3: Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I've listened to you many times, and I know how you are as a coach and as a teacher, and I think that you can take hard coaching if you need it, of course. And that's that's the way I run my team. That's
0: it. I like it. I'm happy to be a board boomer. Thank you. All right. Good. Sounds good. Anything else you need? No. I mean, how? Why are you not in Cincinnati? And why are you not in LA for this game?
3: Uh, you know, because I got to work on Monday morning. I know. And, uh, I want to be in studio with Gio on Monday morning and I want to be able to talk about the game and not get caught up in all the, you know, the hoopla around the game. I'm certainly rooting for my former team and Mm -hmm. hopefully uh, Joe Burrow will pull it out. But, uh, uh, you know, it just turned out to be too much of a hassle to try to get out to L.A. and be there and then get on the show on Monday morning. It's just it's a lot. So, as you get older, uh, coach, as you understand, uh, you got to make decisions that are in the best interest of yourself, not everybody else.
0: Yeah, but Boomer, they got people all all around here doing a remote broadcast and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, they kind of screwed us in that regard. There's no question about that. But then again, you know, when you go out to the West Coast and do the morning show, you got to start it at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, that's not something that I think Gio and I really want to do, although. I really felt like the last couple of weeks, Gio was really pushing it. I heard. And he uh, <laughs> put me in a very tough spot with a lot of my bosses. So.
0: Uh-oh. Not, Uh-oh. Easy. Not Uh-oh. easy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> all yes. right. Well, Boomer, thank you. I appreciate you calling in. I am Team Boomer. You guys all heard it. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that.
3: Okay, Danielle. Have a great show.
0: Thanks. Bye. Well, you guys heard it. Team Boomer. I can rest easy. I, I, can, I can go to sleep easy tonight and knowing that I will be on Team Boomer, which is... The winning team. And uh you know what? And I, I usually do in the order that you guys called, but I have a bone to pick with one of the callers that is on hold right now. His name is Lou in Astoria. Lou <laughs> I got a bone to pick with you, Lou. It's okay, Danielle. Listen, no, I, I was no, hoping look-
4: that you asked on number two.
0: Oh yeah, you know boomer, can we switch when that boomer to two? Up- yeah,
4: I told you were going to ask for
0: number two. Yeah, or, or maybe eight for Yogi Berra. I, I, maybe I go back to the drawing board on that. But... Yeah, but,
4: but but you know, Jeter's the favorite player, and that's why you get a bone to take with me. I know that you're going to be saying what. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, listen, Lou. I was just kidding, trying to tell no. you. you know, <laughs> so for what? those
0: of you who are not on Twitter, Lou from Astoria tweeted me when I tweeted back to Boomer and Craig asking which team I was on. Lou says, and this is a quote. You hit like Jeter, you exit velocity off the bat, is not fast enough, plus they put the shift on, automatic out, different game today. Sorry, Coach. Lou, I got to tell you, the the phrase automatic out and my name have never been used in the same sentence in my life.
4: But this is why I, I really wish I can go there and see you play. I hope that you do. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not saying because you're a girl, but I think that a Jeter, they would have put the shift on him and today, in if he was playing in today's game, those ground balls to center field over there, ow! That's what I meant. I, I haven't uh, seen you play so I can't really it. Say oh, that.
0: I, like someone else around here, backtracking things. Luke, guess what? I um, I I I can hit to all fields, and I hope that you. I really do hope. Well, that's I, I, what
4: I do. Listen, I, I used love to, play to meet you. Yeah, and I, I actually played for Queen's College, mm-hmm. and we went to the World Series, and, and it really it was amazing because you know what I'm saying that. It, that was just the college that never did that before. But, you know, what? I'm glad you played shortstop. That was my position when I used to play. But, anyway, about Boomer, I'm glad that he called because I do want the Bengals to win, even though I think that I wouldn't put my money on the Bengals. I mean, even the Jets beat them, but I, that's, it doesn't matter. Every every game on Sunday, anything can happen. But Odell Jr., I think I think the media in, in New York City, which is very poison, gave me a road deal. And I would love to see him. The Rams win because of him. Believe it or not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, my other point is, uh, uh, like I said, uh, let me let, let me say that I, that that I, listen. Uh, let me apologize to you. I didn't mean to break your heart. Okay.
0: Break my heart?
4: No, oh, no. I am saying, I mean, oh, I mean, can no, no, no. Can you send me a video one time when and you're hitting the ball? No, you got you got to come winner? to the
0: game, and you're just gonna watch it with your own eyes and how well, I can spray the ball over the field. That? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully. I, you know what? Wherever it is, I will be there. I don't care. I would love to see you there. Anyway, on
4: the, on the Nets, okay? Uh, I agree with you 100%. I think the Philadelphia 76ers right now have the chance to win a championship before, before the Nets. I think the Harden, even though I'm a Knicks fan, I never watched the Nets, but uh, there was a, when I listened to the media, how great this guy was playing without uh, Kyrie, and, 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 and he was like the MVP of the league at the time. He was very hot. He was most watched TV, okay? Mm-hmm. But you know what? Kyrie is the problem in that team, and now you got Simmons, another cancer. Yeah. I think that's going to be a problem, believe it or not. And you know what? KD is a, is a hell of a player, but, you know, it's so much that Harden can take. They never played together so many games because one or the other, especially Kyrie, has those, these little problems family-wise or whatever, the, whatever it took, and now with the vaccine, I would have been sick and tired of this guy. Let me tell you, I can't stand him. And quickly on the baseball thing, uh, listen, what I would do if I was the owner, okay, I will put two things on the table. You can make money from the beginning of, of, of your career. If you're good enough, you can go on arbitration. I will not hold you back from free, free agency. But if I give you a 10-year contract and you have an opt out I'm going to have one too. That's the way I look at it. It would never yeah. happen, but you know what? That's the way I look at it. If if I give you 10 years and you're not producing to me, you know, when you have your op out well, that I gave you in that contract, I would like to have mine, too. You take care, and listen, there. like I said, let me know where you're going to be at. Maybe I'll make it. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, Lou, I would be happy to meet you. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Lou. I keep- oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought that was the end of it, Lou. I'm very sorry. Really, seriously, I'm sorry. But... Uh, yeah, th- that it didn't break my heart. Believe me, it didn't break my heart. It just motivated me even more to have someone tell me that I was an automatic out. Never in my life. I read that at lunch to the, to the teachers in, in the lunchroom with me. Never in my life I said have I ever, I stood up, passionate speech, and said never in my life have I ever been called an automatic out, and it won't start in this charity softball game. Believe you me. In fact, now that I know which team I've been picked up by, Team Boomer that is, I might head to the batting cages this week to get it going. And, hey, Team Carton, Team Evan, you guys missed out. You know what I could do. You watched it. You watched it firsthand last summer. It's all right. It's all right. Hey, are you having a Super Bowl party or or maybe are you going to one? Maybe if you're just watching at home, what is the one must-have Super Bowl food that you absolutely need to have tomorrow? That and more coming up next on this Super Bowl Saturday here on the Fan. Please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. This is Eminem, one of the most classic songs you ever Eminem ever came out with, and I remember this when he performed on the uh, MTV VMAs. And hey, I don't know if there's this. Uh, okay, good. You got the the, uh, the edited version there. So. The Real Slim Shady, I remember he was uh, at the VMAs and he was across the street uh, from Rockefeller Center um, from Radio City and he crossed the street and they're all Eminem's dressed like him, like the white shirt, and the blue jeans, and he crossed the street right in. Oh, it's cool. I, you know, I am very, I love Eminem. Uh, he, do you know Eminem is the only guy that I know of that has rapped and rhymed with the word orange? Like, and he explained it. He, the guy's a lyrical genius, whether you like him or don't. He, he rhymed syringe with orange, and he said you can rhyme anything as long as you change the different inflection. So I think that's pretty cool. But, hey, everybody, it is Super Bowl Saturday. Throughout the show, the rejoin musics are all going to be by the, 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 the performers of the Pepsi halftime show. You heard Snoop Dogg first. That was just Eminem. And, um, you know, as a football fan, this is one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. Like, I've always, always hosted a Super Bowl party. Not last year, but when I was a, a freshman in college, <laughs> the tradition kind of started, and uh, you know, ever since then, except for last year, I've I've uh, I've ho- hosted a party. So this year it's going to be small, eight people, and and not even all there at the same time. Some coming, some going. All vaccinated, most boosted, if not all. So for those concerned, I know there's always a few replies on Twitter. Don't be concerned. Next year, though, mark my words. Next year. We're going to blow it out of the water. We will have a whole year to plan it for it. Clear your schedule. Let's watch the Super Bowl together next year. Anyway, at my small party, I asked what the must-have foods are. Uh, I'm going to have to cheat and say two. One is a food, one's a dessert. Mozzarella sticks, period, must-have. And then that Carvel football ice cream cake with the crunchies on the inside and the outside. Those are two things that I am completely and totally a happy camper if I have. Of course, I'm going to have both those things tomorrow. Stay tuned for the Super Bowl prediction coming up in quite a little bit. Hey, Sean uh, in Philadelphia, thanks thanks for hanging on for a long time there, Sean. Thank you.
5: Hey, how you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are enjoy you? to you. I was in the city today visiting my daughter, and uh, I turned you guys on the way home, and uh, you're you're perfect. Really oh, enjoy uh, listening to you. Thanks. I appreciate um, it. Kind of remind me a little bit of Kate Scott, who is the new Sixers announcers. A lot of energy and. Really knowledgeable about sports, so pretty cool stuff.
0: Oh, thanks. I don't know Kate, but I might have to connect with her. Thank you, I appreciate oh, she, that.
5: She's amazing. Um, so I just want to give you kind of a Philadelphia perspective on the trade. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of mixed feelings. Um, I think both teams were sort of in a no-win situation and how to how to do something. Um, I yeah. think you're going to love Steph Curry. I know we're talking about him. Yeah.
0: Seth, unbelievable Seth Curry. Shooter. Seth
5: Curry. I. Seth. Right, yeah. Part <laughs> of it. Yeah. Not Steph. <laughs> Seth. Yeah. Steph is uh, totally underrated. Not great defensively. He got kind of. Lit up a little bit against Atlanta last year in the playoffs, but really good. He's probably going to give you at least fifteen to twenty a game. Um, really open up things. Drummond was, I mean, in my mind, the best backup center we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. He's underrated passer, unbelievable rebounder. I think he, even though he's not playing a lot of minutes, his average per per minutes played in terms of rebounds might be the best in the NBA. Um, so I think that's a spot that the Nets needed. Yeah, and then Simmons. This is what I'm going to tell you about Simmons. He plays hard, and I don't think he's going to have a. He's still a pretty young guy, and he's pretty fit. I think he's going to it may take a week or two, um, depending on the you know the mental issues. But physically, I think he'll be fine. I
0: don't Ooh. know a week or two. I, uh,
5: I think. Well, I could be wrong, but I think once he gets into shape, I mean, he for his size, he's an amazing athlete. So I think you're going to get he play. He plays hard. Um, The issue is with him, his defense, on-ball defense, probably top three or four in the league. He's great on the break. He's a great passer. But the issue is when you get in the playoffs and you get that part of the game where it slows down, you know, the half court set, he just jams everything up Mm -hmm. because the other defenders kind of go to Joel, double him up. And if you look at his production in terms of points in the fourth quarter, the last couple of years in the playoffs, it's almost nothing. And I think for him, the turning point last year for us was he was probably about a sixty percent foul shooter, which isn't great. Right. But he started struggling at the line. And what happened is he didn't want to drive to the basket anymore. And he was afraid to to even get fouled because he knew he was going to miss the foul shot.
0: Right, right.
5: So right. I think you know, I Which, think that's which the-
0: Sean, that, that's a skill, and, and thanks for the call there, Sean, that's a skill that can be improved upon, even at the NBA level, because you know what, Knicks fans around here know it well, uh, R.J. Barrett was an atrocious foul shooter, terrible when he first came up, when he first started, uh, what, how many years ago, and ever since then, his, his foul shooting percentage increasingly climbed and, and did get better. So that is something that, that can be improved upon. Some things can't be at, at the NBA level, but but that is definitely, I mean, there's no one guarding you. It is the easiest shot in the game. There's nobody guarding you. And, and I don't know, maybe you know this, maybe the kids in my class get all excited when I tell them, I say, hey, you know, come over here. I point to the foul line. There's a, um, there's a nail in every court that I've been ever been on. There's a nail on the foul line. I said, that's where you're supposed to line up with. That is the direct middle of the rim. Blows kids' minds. They're like, What? Really? I don't know. Every court that I've been on, I don't know. Yeah. Let's go to Steven Rockland. You're up next on the fan. Yeah, hi Daniel. Sounds like Team
6: Boomer got a ringer.
0: Ah, you know what? He did. I I am happy to be I, on pardon. No Bo- doubt. Hey, hey,
6: I have no doubt. But first of all, um about SoFi. So you were there. It was just one of these coincidences, and I don't even know if it was National Geographic or one of the Discovery Channel, you know, uh, affiliates. But I watched a two-hour with commercials. I watched a two-hour documentary about the construction of SoFi
0: State. Did you? What else did you learn that I haven't said yet? What else it did was, you learn?
6: Oh my God! It was it was it was incredibly fascinating, you know. And I have a I have a, a a background in construction and climbing very tall mountains, you mm-hmm. know, being in a kill zone and what these guys had to do to get that roof in place was, it was, it was pretty amazing. And I'm sure they made a lot of money to have those guys working, you know, above the surface. there doing what they were doing to set those uh, poles that are It was, inc- it was incredible, but, I want to say something about here about uh, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. You know, Kyrie Irving, how much different is what Kyrie Irving did to the Celtics? How much different is it? Okay. No, you're right. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, number two, Net fans, everyone's going to learn about this guy in the offseason because he has an opt out in his contract. Mm hmm. And I wonder how diplomatic Kevin Durant's going to be. You know, I'm glad they got a couple of first-round draft picks coming back. I'm not a net fan or anything. But I'm glad they got a couple of draft picks
0: coming back. Because they they cleared themselves out of them to get Harden to begin with. Yeah, they had
6: not. Right. So so at least they have a little something in terms of, you know, assets for the future. Mm -hmm. But what happens, so not only will... Let's say he does have, opt out, hypothetically. So now here's Duran, who's locked in. Yep. You know, he signed the contract. Here's, here's KG. And I would never question his greatness at all. You know, all these guys are great players. I mean, I'm not <laughs> questioning them. You know, I'd just, just say that if anyone is more selfish than James Harden, it's Kyrie Irving. Right, I know.
0: But, uh, and you but, would think that but, they but, could put it aside to, to work together for the common good of winning a championship. A, and and no. the wheels fell off so fast.
6: But but this is a hypothetical. So the Nets could potentially be out. Harden, Kyrie, and the guys who they dump. Not they didn't dump them. I mean they're you know wonderful players in their own right. Allen, Taris Laverne. Yes. Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. That's like a starting five right there. Right <laughs> I know.
0: Now. When Spe- when they and, let, when they let Spencer Dinwiddie go, I was like, "Oh, man." And I said on the air, I said, "They're going to miss Jared Allen. That guy's a good player. He's a tough, greedy player, and they were definitely going to miss him." And I said it when it happened. And look and and lo and behold, look what happened. Douglas in the Bronx, you're up next on the fan. Good evening, Danielle. Hey, Douglas, we have about 2 minutes where we have to hit the top of the hour. Go ahead.
7: Got it. So, I want to share a story about uh, from Peter King's column on Monday. Yeah. That the Cincinnati Bengals, they have a weekly tradition the night before a game. They watch Jeopardy. The pre- right. Yeah. Quarterback Jeopardy. Yeah. Ain't that wild? That, um, yeah, Joe Burrow, the two quarterbacks, the two backup quarterbacks, the head coach, quarterbacks coach, uh, OC, and the OC, they answer questions round robin style. And of course, Joe Burrow, he won that edition two weeks ago. Uh, And the following day, he defeated Mm. the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. And, of course, they conclude the uh, game show with Final Jeopardy. Would you like to take a crack at that Final Jeopardy question? Oh, you know it? All right. Yeah. Give it to me. Give it to me. me. Go ahead. All right. Before January 30th, when was the last time the Bengals won an AFC Championship? Which team did they defeat? And who was the starting quarterback for that Bengals team? Let me know if you need a hint.
0: Okay, so I, I looked it up today, actually. It was in the year—well, this gets tricky. It was, it was the 87th season, but I don't know when the date of the game was. 88 was the year, right? No, but you're close. What was it? <laughs> it was the 1988 season, but in January 1989. 89, okay, okay, all right, I was close there. And then the quarterback was Boomer, right? Yes, And the opponent was, uh, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I don't know who the opponent was. I thought it was the Raiders because they were a good team in that era.
7: But the answer was the Buffalo Bills, oh. meaning we were uh, an overtime away this year from getting that rematch.
0: Oh, look at that. I, you know, th- that game still haunts me. I, I t- Don't even get me started mm-hmm. on those overtime rules.
7: Yes. And one, quick, one other quick note. Derek Jeter, Tom Brady, Kawhi Leonard – all-time legendary clutch players. Does Misha Tate join that illustrious group this Monday on Celebrity Big Brother?
0: <laughs> well, Douglas, a, a little a little different there. One's a game show, one's actual games, but not to take anything away from Misha Tate, but for the game show, she's a competitor. She's a beast in the octagon, no doubt. Champion. Former champion. Okay. Um... Uh, right now, because I had never watched Big Brother before. I never realized how much of a hook that show is. It's like a commitment. It's like four nights a week. The only reason why I'm doing it is because she's on it. As soon as she's on it, she's off, I'm, I'm done. But hopefully that is, uh means that she's the last one standing, and I will watch the whole season gladly. Not lining up good. Carson, uh, whatever his last name is, he's the uh, he's the head of household. So she he she, he was in her target, you know, the whole last week, and now I'm sure she's going to be in his his crosshairs this entire week. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, she just dominated all the, the physical competition, so hopefully she can win a power of veto, and we can just move on from this. And uh, we'll see. Well, anyway, it's uh, Erica with an update, and uh, we got a quick break. And Erica update, and uh, and and back to the sports talk here. And, and John Heyman, by the way, he's with us at 6:20 to break down all of the things that you need to know about the MLB. uh, Players Association and the owners meeting. Call
8: the fan at 877-337-6666 Powered by Superbook Better odds and favorable prices.
1: Welcome
0: back to McCartan in the daytime. Danielle in the daytime here on the fan in New York City. Man, I'm just seeing all these tweets coming through at Coach McCartan. Oh, and this is my alarm. I got to re-up my parking. You hear it? I'm going to do that as well. Um, Everybody's very, very hyped that I'm going to be on Team Boomer in this this softball game, which I am too. Wow. 50 likes, right? That's kind of like a lot. I feel pretty good about that. Hey, you know, they had the NFL Awards on TV the other night. And you listening right now, Giants fans, cover your ears for a second if you can. Not if you're driving, of course. But... You might know that I picked Micah Parsons as the Defensive Player of the Year. December 5th, I got it at plus 3,000 odds. And I was rooting for him. I really was. I really was. I was rooting, not really for him, but rooting for me to win money. How's that sound, Giants fans? But I really thought he had a really good chance to win it. Good as anyone. And to my displeasure, TJ Watt took it home. Parsons won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Rookie. Rookie of the year. Come on. Whatever. And I could have sworn that I put a bet on Mike Rabel to win coach of the year. But ultimately, I guess it just never went through. That has happened to me before, actually. And so he did end up winning that. So some other notables. Cooper Cup, offensive player of the year. And then, oh, 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 Aaron Rodgers. And his fourth MVP award, second in a row. But guess what? Aaron Rodgers with his 11-10 and 10 playoff record and just one. Super Bowl appearance in his career. Hmm, You would think a guy like that would have at least appeared in the game more times, right? Any deal for Rodgers would have to come via trade. He is not a pending free agent, so he he would be able to enter free agency. He would be ineligible for the franchise tag. That would be after next season, though. So another nugget. If Aaron Rodgers is traded before June, the Packers would save almost $20 million against the cap. That's quite attractive to a team that is well over the cap. So are either of our teams in play for him? Well, I think if you were a sane football fan, you'd happily sit Wilson or Jones behind a future Hall of Famer and Rodgers, right? It's not happening. Don't even go there. Rodgers basically said outright in that final press conference that he said, I don't want to be part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing. That's that's a direct quote. So forget about it, New York football fans. All you can hope now is that he does not end up in the NFC or the AFC East. Connor and Belmar, you're up on the fan.
5: Danielle, how are you doing tonight, darling?
0: I'm good. How are you, Connor? So look, we have
5: this guy. His name is Brian Dable. We have this guy. His name is Don Wink Martindale. The question I'm asking to you, Danielle, and I'm going to ask you a two, two-part question here, mm-hmm. is Daniel Jones primed for an MVP season? And this is why I think he is. Who has a better body, Daniel Jones or Josh Allen? Thanks, Danielle.
0: That was, um, oh, I guess those were the two questions there, Connor. Uh, who has the better body? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of a weird question. Uh, is is Daniel Jones primed for an MVP season? No. <laughs> He's not. I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. I really do. I think Daniel Jones. You'll see him play better. I do think so. I do believe in that. I, I you know, they're going to go offensive line in the draft. You would hope. Then they're going to go defensive line in the in that also in that first round of the draft. You would hope, based on Wink Martindale's scheme on how he does things. Um. Also, with the influence of Brian Dayball, and I know Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. They are two separate and different people. However. How Josh Allen was able to develop under the, the tutelage of Dayball, it has to be exciting if you're a Giant fan. See, I still believe in Daniel Jones. Uh, we did a my favorite mystery player um, segment not long ago, like two weeks ago, and I put up the the quarterback rating charts for both Allen and Daniel Jones without their names on them for the 2021 season. Yeah, guess what happened? It was a blind vote, blind poll. And through the commercial break, Daniel Jones was actually leading. And then on the air, I said, oh, and by the way, here's the results. Then the votes started tipping towards Josh Allen because he knew the answer. But in that very first, I don't know, five minutes or so during the commercial break, you guys were picking Daniel Jones based on the quarterback rating charts. So I think Daniel Jones is poised for a rebound year, a comeback year with, of course, the tempered expectation because he is learning his brand new, third brand new system in four years. That's like three new foreign languages in four years. Not easy to do. But I think he's going to make huge strides, and, and I still do believe in him. And I, and I believe that the Giants still do because they wouldn't have not have gotten a guy, an offensive guy, and in particular a Brian Dayball, if they did not believe in Daniel Jones either. Or two, I guess. But MVP season, no. <laughs> Richard in Manhattan, you're up on the fan.
9: Danielle, I went to. I was in uh, kindergarten 62 years ago. I remember every teacher that I had from kindergarten to sixth grade. Wow. Oh yeah. What a feat. Yeah. <laughs> I I went to an elementary school right near the old uh, WFAN headquarters. On the uh, school is still there on thirty fourth thirty fourth Avenue and thirty second Street, PS one sixty six. Shout it out. Oh yeah. I remembered every teacher. That's how strong an impression they made on me. That's awesome. I was there when Kennedy was killed, and we had to march home from school. We left at 2 in the afternoon. I'll never forget that. And to tell you how life was different, then I lived three, four blocks away. I went home by myself, just walked home, 8 and a half years old, 63 from uh, the school, P.S. One, they let us out early on a Friday afternoon because uh, that there, there was the only time, and I was in public school for till high school, until after my high school senior year, in New York City, the only time I ever saw a TV in the classroom, the only time ever, <laughs> was when Kennedy was shot. Wow. Walter Cronkite came on the air, in 1963, November 22nd. Uh, the Nets, we would, see, if you look at history, if you look at what happens around us, this is all easy to figure out. Do you know that Mike D'Antoni coached Steve Nash? They are best friends. Mm -hmm. They are very close. Mm -hmm. Steve Nash picked Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach this year, right, to be his bench coach. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you know that not only did D'Antoni walk out, Mm -hmm. he rejected his salary. He just walked out. He said he couldn't put up with this. This is when the good, things were going good Mm -hmm. with the Nets. Mm -hmm. This is when they had all three guys healthy up until the third, fourth week of the season. Yeah. That's how bad D'Antoni wanted to get away from the cancer. This is a guy who played basketball overseas, started in the NBA. I remember him as a player in the early mm-hmm. mid-70s when he played with the uh, Kansas City, Omaha Kings. I remember that. And he went over to Europe, played. He wanted to stay with Nash, help him along. And the toxic atmosphere must have been so bad there. we should know what kind of guy this is he's got to be the only player in the world that didn't want to play with lebron james i mean if it was all about
0: winning championships why would you ever leave you know if it was all about winning championships there richard why would he not show up to the bubble why why would he why would he go to a birthday party uh for whoever and have to sit due to covid protocols why would he why would he I, i i've been i guess um how do I say it? I've been on to him. I don't want to say it like that. But I've been questioning the guy's willingness and, and want and desire to play the, the sport of basketball openly for since since that time probably. And why is that not being talked about? Why is James Harden the one that had to be forced out of that situation and not Kyrie Irving? And man, oh man, these guys playing GM. Kevin Durant playing GM there in in, in, in Brooklyn. I hate when these guys do that. You got to run everything by Kevin Durant first. No, you do what's best for the team. Kevin Durant isn't looking out for the long-term benefit of this team. But the owners are. The general managers are. I can't stand that. Everything's got to funnel through the superstar player. Stop with that. There's too much player power in the NBA. You don't ever want to go buy a jersey for a te- for a player. Because who knows how long they're going to be with the team. Example, Exhibit A, James Harden. Andre in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Hello? Hello, Andre. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good.
10: Yeah, and hey, let me say something to you. It's a pleasure talking to you, first of all and foremost, and I want you to have a very happy St. Valentine's Day and a great Super Bowl week. Uh, thanks. Okay? You
0: too, Andre. I yeah. appreciate that.
10: Thank you. Now, listen, right, everybody wants to dog the athletes, right? But check this out. James Harden came here in good faith. He wanted to get with his old buddy. Kyrie Irving put the thing together. Then all of a sudden, the guy doesn't want to get vaccinated. Kevin Durant gets hurt. And James Harden sees that without Kevin Durant, I don't care what Kyrie does, they're not going to win. And I also think that Kevin Durant's injury is a lot serious than what they're letting on to be. I am with so you. Can't blame, you, know, like you can't blame James Harden for wanting to jump Jump shot. situation. That's right. I said that in the open. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, You can't can't really blame him because, listen, the dude is almost at the end of his deal. Now, he's going to get a very good contract, and I don't think he's winning anything in Philadelphia because Joel Embiid, in my opinion, is the league MVP, but in the playoffs, he's soft. Okay? So I don't see him getting all of a sudden ferocious against Milwaukee, who will probably be the matchup, right? I don't see him, you know, all of a sudden being the best big man in the game when it really counts. So, therefore, you know, don't feel so bad. We got rid of James Harden. We got back uh, Ben Simmons, who's, when he's healthy and his mind is right, he's top 20 in the NBA, maybe. So, you know, it works out for both teams. But don't be so quick to dog Harden, because if you want to dog somebody, put it on Kyrie Irving. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, because the reason why New York City is back open, we're the best city in the world. You know why we're back open? Because... 75% 75% of the people have at least one shot. So you really tell me this guy can't get at least one vaccination? Come on, please. He's a diva. He's a cancer. He wanted to start his own league. Remember he said, oh, he wanted the best players to go against the NBA to start their own league. That's that same cancer, right, who said that he didn't want to play with LeBron James like the other caller said. Believe me, Kyrie Irvall, his talent, believe me, the Nets will serve fast if he opts out. And they'll be better off without them because yeah. they free uh, Andre, up space to get somebody who, who wants, wants, to wants to be to there. play basketball. Yep,
0: and, and who can do it on a full-time basis. Andre, I'm with you. Totally with you. John Heyman to talk about the um, most recent developments in today's, today's meetings, owners' meetings, MLBPA meetings that wrapped up around, I think, around, what, 3 o'clock today? 3 p.m. today-ish? Yeah, John Heyman will be with us here next on The Fan in New York City.
8: The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Siri, play WFAN.
0: Welcome back to McCartan uh, before midnight here on The Fan. Danielle at dinner time. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till the uh, Nets pregame coming up tonight. Um, and there was a, a, a major, major meeting between MLB and and the MLB PA that wrapped up, I don't know, just a couple hours ago. And we are lucky to have with us, joining us right now, is Odyssey MLB insider, John Heyman. John, welcome to the show. I appreciate you hopping on on a Saturday. Good to be with you, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. All right, so John, I'm just kind of going to let you run with this. What is the biggest takeaway from today's meeting between the owners and the, and the Players Association?
11: Well, I, you know, I don't think the owners expected this to lead to a quick deal. They just wanted to uh, get it going, get the talks moving. And, you know, they compromised a little bit. Obviously, they're going to need to do more compromising. There is more flexibility for the owners. They're going to do better than this. But, uh, you know, we haven't seen anybody make that really bold move yet. I mean, I think this could lead to another move by the players, or should. And, you uh, You know, I think we're still a ways away here. I mean, the the idea of spring training starting is scheduled at February 16th. That ship has sailed, but I still have hopes that we're going to have a season begin March 31st.
0: So with the injuries that had happened, um, well-documented, I think over 800 players spent time on the I.L. uh, last season alone— Having a a shortened spring training with a season that starts on time, do you think that's that's a good thing? Do you think players would, would sign on to that?
11: Yeah, you know, I think that's um, probably a necessary thing at this point. They could delay the season. It's possible you could delay the season and then, uh, you know, just play a little bit longer, have the playoffs go into November. But at this point, I think the likelihood is that we're going to have a month-long spring training. Uh, you know, look, we had that a couple years ago. Um, it's not optimal, but uh, you know, obviously at this point, uh, we're not gonna have the season start we're not gonna have the the um spring training begin on February sixteenth. So, uh, you know, the hopes for a six week spring training uh probably not that likely at this point.
0: I went back to on uh, December 2nd Rob Manfred said I don't think 94 worked out too great for anybody and then I put little ellipses in there and it, and, it's, and he also continued to say that's what it's about it's avoiding doing damage to the season I mean if how much longer does this have to go and, and then we're and we're, then we're going to have this conversation of okay now the regular season is in jeopardy do you think
11: Yeah you know my my prediction has been March 1st deal um, you know, they probably still have a little leeway even beyond that. If they had a deal March 7th to begin the season April 6th, something like that, mm-hmm. still possible. They cannot lose games. Right. Uh, I think Rob Manfred was correct in saying a couple of days ago um, that it would be disastrous to lose games, to not play 162 games. Uh, maybe not quite as disastrous as losing the World Series like they did in 94, but yeah. uh, it certainly would not be good. It does not look good that uh, we're going to have a Super Bowl tomorrow with uh, no deal in sight for baseball we would have liked to have had a deal now just so you could say you know we're starting up spring training mm-hmm. this week baseball's going but uh, you know right now uh, football's got the whole stage and there's really not a lot of great stuff you can see about baseball other than the MLB did move the ball a little bit today and now they're oh. hoping to see the union move it a little bit but Someone needs to make a little bit bolder move at some point pretty
0: soon. So what would a a bold move from – we'll do each side. So what's a bold move from the ownership side look like?
11: You know what? The collective uh, – the, the CBT, the luxury tax, is is really a key element of the uh, deal at this point. And uh, right now, uh, you know, the, the owners are offering a $214 million threshold for the luxury tax. And the players were st- still over two hundred forty million dollars. It was two hundred ten last year. You know, it's going to have to get to be a, a two hundred twenty something like that, or maybe even a little above two hundred twenty million. So, I mean, the, if the players move it down to the two thirty range, that would be bold. If the owners moved it up to two twenty, that would be bold. Uh, today's move was uh, pretty incremental. It, it, they did move in several areas. Um, they raised the minimum, which was good. They raised the bonus pool a little bit from 10 million to 15 million. Mm-hmm. Um there were a few good things in the deal and the offer today but uh you know I think they understood there was not going to be a deal happening um uh, today, tomorrow, the next day. I think the hope is to get it done sometime this month and uh you know maybe they took a little bit of a step toward that today but the 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 players now have to come back and show a little bit of compromising as well
0: yeah now we'll take it the other side now what would be a bold move from the player side besides all of those things that you just kind of outlined
11: is yeah there, is there I something mean, else yeah i mean well first of all i think the players probably need to get off of the uh revenue sharing right now they're saying that the uh, yankees the big market teams yeah. um, should share 30 million less in revenue you know to me that's kind of an owner's decision how much they want to share among each other mm-hmm. and leave that part alone if they did that that would be a nice olive branch originally they were at 100 million they want the yankees and the dodgers and those teams to, spend, to share 100 million less they did lower it to 30 million but to me that's kind of a The owners should be the owner's decision. If the players took that off the table and the owners have said all along that this is non-negotiable. So I think if the players took that part off the table, that would be a bold move by them and uh, very welcome for the owners.
0: So when I was on last week, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that in terms of that bonus pool, and for those of you guys just tuning in now, the bonus pool is basically a set sort of bank account, set pot, set aside for the players that win like you know, NL Cy Young Award. It's the pre-arbitration players that win Cy Youngs and MVPs or whatever. So correct me if I'm wrong, John. And we're talking with John Heyman here on the fan. Um, the Players Association, the original proposal, I think, was $105 million, And now, yes. now they're sitting at 15. I mean, that to me sounds like it's really far off.
11: You're absolutely right. They're still far off in a number of areas. Uh, you know, both sides made a little move, a little baby step move on that. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly right. Hundred five million. The uh, the players won in the bonus pool money for those pre-R players, those top pre-R players. Uh, MLB was at ten million, so they accepted the concept of a bonus pool, which was good. Yes, was that ten million. The owner, the players went down from one hundred five to a hundred. Yeah, I they saw understood that. That wasn't much of a move. And now the owners have gone up five million to fifteen. So we're still eighty-five million dollars apart. There, that that's mm-hmm. you know. You know, the owner, if the players came back and lowered it to 80, you know, that's a move. You know, 5 million here and there, you know, it's hard to see them getting to where they need to be this month if we're going to go 5 million <laughs> a step, you yeah. know. So I'd like to see the players lower it 20 million or the owners raise it 10 or 15 million. It's good that they've accepted this concept for the players. And it's good that there is a bonus pool. I think ultimately it's going to be closer to the 15 million. 10 to the $100 million, but uh, both sides need to get going in that area.
0: As far as um, service time manipulation, what kind of progress or traction was made today, if any?
11: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the owners offered uh, to uh, uh, beef up the draft picks uh, to compensate teams that really um, you know, start players uh, with the uh, team in, at the beginning of the season. Obviously, Chris Bryant, that's the obvious case the Cubs waited eight days into the season so that they could delay his free agency by a year. I mean, that's not good. It was within the rules, mm-hmm. but not good for anyone. They've got to prevent that. And, uh, the owners did offer to raise the draft, pick
12: compensation for teams that don't do that now. So uh, they
11: did do something. It's hard to envision exactly how much that helps unless you really understand it. You probably have to be Dan Halem or Bruce Meyer to really get that. But, uh, you know, they did make a step toward getting rid of that service time manipulation, and they do need to get rid of the service time manipulation. That That's really not good for anybody. That That's not the way the game should work.
0: Right. And, you know, if you're ready to play, then you should be brought up and, and ready to play, and that's it, period.
11: Right, absolutely. I mean, Chris Bryant, I was in spring training with the Cubs for a few days that spring, and he was clearly the best player on the team mm. at that point, and... Uh, you know, I mean, it was within the rules to not bring him up. And then, of course, they have to pretend f- it's because he was kind of going to go back and work on his defense. It's obviously, he had eight or nine home runs. He didn't need to work on his offense. You know, the defense was probably major league average at that point. But, you know, they had to say something. And, you know, that, that that's not good for anybody to make up a story. after. And if you send a guy down, it was obviously very good. Now, he ended up winning rookie of the year anyway without those eight games. They ended up making the playoffs. But, uh, you know, that that was not good for anybody.
0: Joining us now is uh, Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Uh, the duration of this meeting, John, has been talked about a lot. Only about an hour? Less than an hour? Is that true?
11: Anything? Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind that. That, that doesn't bother me. I, I'd like to see a shorter duration between meetings. You know, we had a 42-day right. day respite there before... Uh, from Dallas until the next offer came, that that to me is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, the, the meeting was to give the proposal and uh, you know the owners to digest it. I mean, the players to digest it. So you know, I I, I wasn't expecting any long meeting today or any back and forth today that the players have to really understand what uh, the offer entailed. And so it was basically to present the offer. So I'm I'm okay with short meeting today, but we need more frequent meetings. That's yeah. what we need. We don't need now. Uh, no meetings for another week. That would be uh, very, very bad.
0: So the players' response is expected on what Monday?
11: You think? <laughs> uh, we hope. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, the sooner the better. Um, you know, we've, the time is short at this point. So uh, if they wait, so if it's Monday, that's great. If they do it Monday, we're all for that and give the players credit. But if they wait a week, uh, that's that's bad news because. Uh, as I said, time is short. Where you know it needs to be done uh, by around March first, give or take a few days.
0: Wow, and and you know what? Too, I was thinking about like even last year, I was down in Florida, and we were planning to go to a spring training and all that. And I just can't imagine all these people that have all these plans to go to Florida, and and you know, there's there's nothing there for them to go see. It's it's really a tragedy. It really hurts the game.
11: Yeah, it certainly uh, it certainly does. I mean, the big money is not made in spring training. The players aren't paid in spring training, right. uh, but. You know, spring training is great for baseball. The fans love it. Um, you know, obviously it's necessary to prepare for the season. Um, you know, but I think they they figure at this point they can do a month instead of six weeks of spring training and, and live with that. And we'll all live with that as long as we have, as I said, a full regular season, 162 games. On we'll live with a shortened spring training.
0: And uh, we're wrapping up here with John Heyman on the fan. You know, John, fans are growing increasingly less patient, and you see the replies on Twitter. What's your message to fans? You
11: know, I, you know, I can't blame them. I mean, uh, this isn't good. Um, you know, I will say that MLB did make deals for after that ninety-five made the deal for twenty-five years. A generation of deals were made. Yeah. Um, obviously, the last two deals, uh, the players feel that the owners. Uh, got the better of them, and uh, they're trying to make up for that now, and you know, I get it. Uh, The salaries have stagnated for the last couple of years, and, uh, you know, the the players want to make a great deal, so you know, I I understand their position. Um, Obviously, the sides there's no love lost. That's not good either, but uh, you know, they need to do something, because uh, you know, the fans are right to complain about it. You you need to have a season. Um, You know, obviously, this is uh, complaints, is squabbling between, as they say, the millionaires and the billionaires. Mm-hmm. It's not good for the game to have this go on, but, uh, you know, I, I do see uh, this point of both sides, but uh, it's time to get going, guys. And uh, if the players, the fans complain, I, I cannot blame them at this point.
0: All right, so let's lighten it up. We got John Heyman here with us on the fan. Um, it's Super Bowl Saturday, John. Who's your pick? Who you picking?
11: Yes, I'm glad, Danielle, that you brought this up because uh, as a regular on Joe and Evan, I always made a, a football pick every week. And right. I was a very reliable bet against. Uh, <laughs> I think one year I went 2-14. So wow. uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals to win. So I think, you know, you know I'm sure a lot of people are now going to be betting on the Rams. and so The line will probably <laughs> swing that way. But uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I like this Joe Burrow guy, and I hope he wins.
0: And uh, I-, I asked before some of the listeners, "What is your must-have food for wherever you're going to be watching tomorrow?"
11: You know, I think I, I might go. Uh, I might go hero sandwiches. I might go that. But uh, you know, it's just a lot of food. As long as you have a lot of food, I'm okay. I'm not that picky about the food. Mm, all right, eat a lot of it.
0: I-, I went mozzarella sticks. That's mine. Have to. Nice. Very good. <laughs> All right. Well, John, I appreciate you hopping on on a Saturday to talk with us here here on The Fan. All Thank right, you. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you. All right. You too. Thank you. And that was, of course, Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Uh, lots to break down on that. Um, listen, it doesn't look good. I mean, those dollar signs are way far apart. Um, I just, it's just, it sounds a little, to me, to me, I am interpreting all of, reading the tea leaves here, reading the tweets from multiple different people here. It's just not sounding good to me. Um, I think that the players need to get their um, stuff in order, come back with something on Monday, and like John said, the best recommendation moving forward is to to shorten the time between the meetings. Don't focus on just so how long that the meeting was. They they took an hour to present their position. The players are going to digest it and bring back to the table their position on on hopefully hopefully Monday. I mean, because think about it. I mean, just not last season. I should say it wasn't last season. It was the season before that. I went down to Florida to visit my cousin, and we ended up he lives right by um the, the Braves complex. Went to the Braves complex. There wasn't much going on. We bopped over to the, the the Rays complex, which was very fun. I mean, it's just it's just a if you have never done spring training, it's an amazing experience. And I just feel bad for the people that have planned their vacations around the fact that there there may be spring training down there in Florida and in Arizona, and um, it's just it's just not going to happen. And that is not good for the game of baseball. You get kids excited. You, you know, a kid meets a guy like uh, I watched it happen, Kevin Kiermeyer. He was so excited, the kid, and and that that makes memories. That bonds the younger fan base with uh, with with the game from a very young age. It, it, this this whole standoff, this whole cold war, it needs to stop. These two sides need to get together, negotiate in good faith, and stop with this this ridiculousness and of dropping the the for example the the pre-arbitration bonus pool from the player side one hundred and five million to a hundred million, and the owners come back from ten million to fifteen million. I mean. First of all, those numbers are way far off. And and to move incrementally in, in increments of $5 million, we're going to be here until next spring training, okay? So owners, players, I think I speak for all fans of baseball, not just here in the New York metropolitan area, but fans all across baseball, get it done. Get back to the table and get it done. Because the game of baseball it's teetering on the edge of, um, of obscurity, honestly, with the younger kids. I look around my classroom. Those kids are not wearing Yankee jerseys. They're not wearing Met jerseys. I had a kid wearing a John Morant jersey in class one day, sitting next to a kid. Uh, who did he have on? It was, um, oh, God, it was two way out-of-town teens, And I'm like, wow, two basketball jerseys and two basketball jerseys of out-of-town out of teams. Oh, Matt. The kid's mad. I don't, know. I don't know. I forget what he was wearing, but the other kid was wearing a John Morant Grizzlies jersey. And I'm like, baseball. I mean, these are these are kids, and baseball is losing out on the on the kids, and it's definitely losing out on on the older generation too, who are just tired, as John and, and I have said on here, of, of, of the argument between the billionaires and the millionaires. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. Both teams need to get to the table and not leave the table until a deal is done. That's it. As far as I'm concerned. And uh, I hope I hope that it's uh, that's back on but you know what I actually I, 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 until this is all the way all the way done I'm 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 planning and I'm banking on it not being done so I'm I think I'm putting together a, a, a WFAN uh, listener outing um it's just an idea that I had and it's going to be at the uh, Yankees affiliate of um in down in Somerset Somerset Patriots that first weekend so block it off it's going to be for Good Friday if I can get this done Good Friday at the Somerset Patriots. More information to come if, of course, I can get this off the ground. Um, but you know why I picked that date? Because I don't think that we're going to have Major League Baseball. Yankees, Mets, any team on that date.
8: Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices.
0: Welcome back to Danielle at dinnertime or... Whatever you want to call, I'm Dana McCartan with you on The Fan until Nets pregame coming up. And uh, yes, all all rejoin musics tonight are going to be by the halftime, Pepsi halftime artists. Hey, listen, if you're a fan of the artist, great, good for you. You're getting extra hyped right now. Hyped right now. If you're not a fan of the artist, if you don't know who they are, well, at least you can hear these tunes coming back on the show tonight and be like, at wherever you're watching tomorrow, be like, hey, at, at least I heard that song before. So that, was, uh, that was Snoop Dogg. We've uh, heard Snoop Dogg and the Real Slim Shady so far. And, um, yeah, moving right along here. Um, all right, so so it's pick time. Uh, I've teased it all week. You guys have been asking me in my, tu- my tweets, replies, my DMs. Who are you picking? Who are you picking? DMs across Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Here it is. Get right into it. We'll take your calls at 877-337-6666. I will tell you that we do have beatboxing coming up. Very special Super Bowl edition of beatboxing between a Cincinnati Bengals reporter And a Los Angeles Rams reporter. Can't wait for that. Um, That's coming up in just a little bit here on the fan. Um, Of course, pre-taped because there's a lot going on. We pre-taped it uh, the other night. So, um, just so you know. A couple areas and matchups that I kind of looked at. Number one, obviously, was the most front and center offensive line of the Bengals versus the the Rams pass rush. Um, Joe Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times this regular season. Most in the NFL. And the Titans sacked him nine times. But the Bengals still won that game. So um, if I'm game planning, if I'm the Rams and I'm game planning, I would pay close attention to the fact that Burroughs' rating in the playoffs against the Blitz dropped to now it's sitting at the mid-80s. Burroughs' rating in the playoffs against the pressure has dropped to a 40. That's not good. The Rams should absolutely bring the house. And and why not? The Rams were third in the regular season in sacks. Third. Von Miller has had a sack a game for the last seven games. Aaron Donald has had seven sacks over the past eight games. That is nightmare-inducing for an opposing quarterback, a.k.a. Joe Burrow. And then, of course, the two quarterbacks, because I think the two running games are just kind of accessories to the pass, really. And they've really been that way, for I think, for the better part of the season for both teams. So for that, I'm giving the edge to the Rams' defense. In the NFC Championship game, they allowed just two and a half yards per carry. That's it. And... Joe Cool, he might be, but Burrow has had one interception in each of the last two playoff games. And compare that to the Rams, who in, in 10 straight games have had at least one takeaway. And there's a key number for Matthew Stafford, especially if the Bengals are able to generate pressure with only just a three-man rush, which they did against Patrick Mahomes. And, and when they had a three-man rush going on, that was it. Mahomes was sacked two of the five times with just a three-man rush. That's kind of pretty crazy because obviously we all know Mahomes is pretty mobile. But then there's this to combat that. The Rams' offensive line has allowed the fifth lowest pressure in the league this season. So that's some good insulation for Stafford. But there is a key number for Matthew Stafford and that, and, and what that means for the Rams. The Rams are undefeated. The Rams are undefeated 11-0 when Matthew Stafford's rating is 100 or above. And that includes the playoffs. So clearly, when Stafford plays well, the Rams play well. And of course, you got to look at the kickers. They deserve some love in the biggest game of the year. Evan McPherson has not missed a single kick in the playoffs. 12 for 12 on field goals, 4 for 4 on extra points. Remember how we talked about what he told Joe Burrow in the Bengals bench a couple weeks ago? He he turned around and said, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. And then he ran on the field, knocked it in, and sent them. Full sent them there. He also, McPherson also kicked them to the Super Bowl as time expired in the AFC Championship game. So clearly, Evan McF-E-A-R-S-O-N is his name. And then there's the Rams' Matt Gay, who's missed two kicks in the playoffs. He's 7-for-9 on field goals and 9-for-9 in extra points. But you know what I look at that and see? That, to me, tells me that the Rams have scored nine touchdowns in the playoffs The Bengals have just scored four. So, I have picked against the Bengals every single step of the way so far this playoffs. I have. I'm sorry, Boomer. And they've proved me wrong every single time. So, for the Super Bowl, of continuing the trend. I'm picking the Los Angeles Rams to win Super Bowl 56 with a final score. And they're always a little wonky here. Going for two, missing it, all that safety. That always happens in the Super Bowl. Picking a final score of Rams, Los Angeles Rams 33, Cincinnati Bengals 27. The Rams will become the second ever and the second in two seasons home team to win a Super Bowl. And Super Bowl 56 MVP, Aaron Donald. There it is. Lock it in. Rams 33, Bengals 27. MVP, Aaron Donald. Let's go to the phones at 877-337-6666. Real quick, for the top of the hour, let's go to Josh in the Bronx. You're up on the fan.
12: Hi. Yeah, before I get to my point on the uh, basketball with yes. um, the X-76 or Ben Simmons, put put, put Tony Clark and put uh, Bob Manfield. Lock them in the room with the representatives and don't come out until you have that collective bargaining agreement. I'm with
0: you. I'm with you on that.
12: And, So anyway, very quickly, on the Ben Simmons point, you know, Ben Simmons and James Harden, you know, they're all actors and everything. You know, Harden had that hamstring. It was just an act to get out of town and everything. Mm -hmm. I I heard Keith McPherson say, you know, or Evan Roberts, maybe both of them say, you know, no, we're going to see this through. We're going to see the big three get us to a championship. But it hasn't been done, and now... You know you have what you have. But the thing is with Ben Simmons, he wanted to come to New York. Let's see what he does the rest of the season. He plays good defense. He's a good rebounder. This is what the Nets need to complement Kyrie and... Uh, and
0: um, uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. And that's something that the Nets don't do is that they don't really play defense. I mean, that's not a secret. And, uh, hey, Ben Simmons, he said he's eager to come to play in Brooklyn. Well, then you know what? That's more than James Harden was at the end, right? So maybe, maybe, maybe. But the the two things, they're going to love Seth Curry. I'm telling you that right now because I think that uh, that Joe Harris will be out longer than expected. Um, Not that I know anything, but that's just kind of how I'm reading the team leaves there. So Seth Curry is a welcome addition to that team, and so are the two draft picks they got back because everybody knows they mortgaged the future for James Harden in, in terms of draft picks. Vernon in Manhattan, you are up next on The Fan, Vernon. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm picking the Rams also. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
13: I got a football quiz question for you. Okay. I'm sorry. It's not baseball, but...
10: That's okay. Football. Here we go.
13: What incident happened at the halftime Super Bowl that caused
0: all sports... To be seen in a Drake. Oh, Vernon, this is a slam dunk. This is easy. There's a uh, a, a Drake line. Are you familiar with Drake? No, i Okay. Drake, in his song, one of his songs, I forget the name of the song, but he goes, Top slipped off like Janet at the Super Bowl. Of course, that is Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Easy slam dunk there, Vernon. <laughs> you got it. Have a nice day. <laughs> Thanks, you too. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I didn't even see, I didn't even see it. I, I whatever I was doing, I didn't even see it. I, I was young too. I didn't even know what happened. Now I do know, <laughs> and I, that kind of sucks. Uh, but yeah, now that's why everything's on a delay, including our show here. Everything's on a little bit of a delay. No curse words slip out. All right. So uh, coming up next is a very special Super Bowl Super Bowl edition of the fan favorite. I must say, I call it beatboxing. I've got Charlie Goldsmith who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the Cincinnati Inquirer, taking on Greg Beecham, who covers the Los Angeles Rams for the Associated Press in a mm, sort of boxing match, which one team, one reporter will come out.
8: The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN.
0: Welcome to Beatboxing, where beat reporters from each team square off inside your listening device. Let's meet this week's contenders. Representing the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, Charlie Goldsmith, who covers the Bengals for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Repping the Los Angeles Rams, the glitz and glam is Greg Beecham, who covers the team for the Associated Press. So here we are, Super Bowl Saturday here on the fan with an extra special fan favorite beatboxing. We'll just get right into it. Round one, Charlie Goldsmith, choose and explain one emoji, not a gif, to explain your Cincinnati Bengals at this very moment in time.
1: Yeah, it's that emoji with the guy who's really cold and shivering and his face is kind of blue. Uh, one of Joe Burrow's favorite nicknames is Joe Burr. Uh, the cold, the, the calm, collected nature that you see with him, the tone that he has set is what makes a Bengals team that's young, frankly, inexperienced, feel prepared and just as prepared as the Rams might feel for the big stage. And it comes from the top. Greg
0: choosing to explain one emoji to explain your Los Angeles Rams at this very moment.
14: I think I got to go with the face with dollar signs for eyes and the green tongue with the dollar sign. You know, the one I'm talking about, I feel like the Rams are on the brink of the finish to their big money quest. They're ready to cash every check they've written in the last five years. And a super bowl win justifies all those bold, expensive moves, even to the dumber sports fans who only can think in binary rings or failure terms. All they need is one more win. And the thing they, the thing about it is they don't appear to be that stressed by it. They seem excited by the opportunity, not nervous about it. And they're all, they all seem to be smiling as they go in to get that money on Sunday.
0: Round two. Uh, we'll start with you, Greg, for the Los Angeles Rams. <coughs> Surrounding your team, what is the single most intriguing storyline?
14: I mean, my question is whether this defense can come up with one more impressive performance against another strong offense. Because the Rams defense has beaten Kyler Murray Tom Brady and well not not Jimmy G, but let's say Debo Samuel and a really good rest of the 49ers offense in the playoffs already. They're improving as they go, which has not always been a hallmark of the Rams under Sean McVay, as you think back to their last Super Bowl season when they scored three points in the Super Bowl. This defense took a step back from 2020 during this regular season because they lost four starters, and they basically only replaced them from within. It was almost an impossible task to maintain where they were, but they've lost you know, they've lost two more starters during the injury in the season, but now they've added Von Miller. More importantly, they've improved down the stretch since Thanksgiving. Raheem Morris has these guys playing strong, smart football, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase present another enormous challenge that could be a problem.
0: Charlie Goldsmith, what uh, surrounding your Cincinnati Bengals, what is the single most intriguing storyline?
1: Not breaking any news here. It's going to be tough to block Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller. The Bengals have the third worst offensive line statistically in the NFL. With the one-on-one matchups the Rams are going to create, there's no easy answer. Frankly, it's on Burrow's shoulders in terms of how he reads the setup before the snap and how he's able to escape the pocket and escape pressure once the Rams win up front. That, to be honest, is their only hope of keeping Burrow from hitting the round. The Bengals have overcome it to this point because Burrow has been so good escaping sacks outside the pocket, and they need him to keep doing that because Donald and Miller are going to get that.
0: Moving on to round three, the quarterbacks. We've, we've touched on it a little bit, the offseason moves, and obviously Joe Burrow with the cold emoji. Uh, we'll start with you, Charlie. Uh, Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford, who's the better quarterback?
1: Yeah, Joe Burrow led the NFL in yards per attempt and completion percentage this season. So look at it that way. He's the most explosive and the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. It's pretty crazy, that combination. The most 40-yard passes in the history of the NFL tracking that stat. Joe Burrow's accuracy, specifically outside the pocket, been compared to Peyton Manning. One of the Bengals coaches played with Joe Montana and compared Joe Burrow's manipulation in the pocket to Montana's. There have been so many incredible comparisons with Burrow, so many incredible moments with Burrow, and he is maybe one of the only quarterbacks in the NFL who could have gotten the Bengals here in the first place. Hmm.
0: Greg Beecham, Uh, Joe Burrow or, or Matthew Stafford, who are you taking?
14: I mean, you obviously can't go wrong here. I mean, I'll pick Matthew Stafford just because I can talk about him more fluently. I've seen every one of his games. I pick him primarily because of his superior arm strength and his superior experience, but also because he has more to lose Sunday, yet he's been playing so well in the postseason, smart and aggressive. After 13 years in this league, he knows this might be his only chance to win a ring, and he'll want to do everything possible to succeed. I mean, Joe Burrow's brilliant, and he's smart enough to understand this could theoretically also be his best chance for a ring because you never know. But that doesn't hit quite the same way for a 25-year-old guy as it does for a guy who turned 34 on Monday. Day. this is Stafford's chance to put a seal of approval on his entire career I think he'll play like it with the condition that he figures out how to handle a Bengals defense that seems almost certain to sit back in coverage force him to find those holes and not help him out by blitzing him too much because Matt Stafford absolutely chews up blitzes Bengals already know how to do this because they did it against Mahomes. And it's on Stafford to figure it out again
0: yeah I think I during the playoffs, Stafford was the best quarterback against the blitz in the league I think I read that right
14: He's really good at just making a quick decision and, and making it correctly. He's, he's except, exceptional at that.
0: Round four, here we go. Know your competition. We'll start with you, Greg. The weakest unit of my opponent's team is, I think we might already know the answer here, but go ahead.
14: Seems like a layup. I mean, it's got to be the offensive line, right? I feel like picking anything else would be boxing malpractice. Joe Burrow can probably attest to that when he wakes up in the morning and feels the aches and the pains. But the corollary to that is I think the Rams pass rush actually has a lot of pressure on it on Sunday. If this offensive line is really a bunch of bowling pins waiting to be knocked down, then Vaughn and Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd have to take advantage of that mismatch and really put Joe in trouble on a regular basis, or the Rams are going to waste their best advantage in the whole game and probably be in trouble as well. I mean, this pass rush was facing a much better offensive line from San Francisco two weeks ago and really struggled to get any significant pressure on Jimmy G until the fourth quarter when the Niners were already in a world of trouble and then eventually trailing. I think the Rams have a lot of pressure on those guys up front to maximize this advantage and make it a decisive factor in the game.
0: So to the the Bengals side here, Charlie, uh, what's the weakest unit of the Rams?
1: Yeah, the middle of the field of the Rams defense. You look at their linebackers, you look at the... Inexperienced or two experienced safeties now with Eric Weddle that the Rams have—it's a unit just watching them specifically in the postseason. The middle of the field is an area that they allow a lot of opportunity. They use a lot of five-man fronts, five defensive linemen, sometimes with just one linebacker at all in the middle. And the Bengals have enough receiving threats over the middle of the field, specifically wide receiver Tyler Boyd and tight end C.J. Uzama, that thrive against linebackers again and against safeties, respectively. Uh, so, for the Bengals in that area of the field, if the Rams keep lining up the way they do, I think that's the area they're going to look for in the quick game.
0: Mm. We'll go back to Charlie Goldsmith that covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, round five this is for your team to win the Super Bowl. What is your key matchup to keep an eye on? Like, if this happens, my team will win.
1: Yeah, Bengals safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell versus Matthew Stafford. The Bengals say they're the best safety duo in the league. Really, their versatility and their range and high coverage has given them a lot of ability to force turnovers this season. Matthew Stafford, well-chronicled, leads the NFL in interceptions. Half of his interceptions this season were on plays where he tried to sling the ball 60 60 yards down the field, hoping the safety would be out of position. Bates and Bell aren't that style of safety, and I think if he tries to take that risk against the Bengals, it probably won't work, and a turnover will go a long way for the Bengals in this game.
0: For the Rams to win the Super Bowl, Greg Beecham covers the Los Angeles Rams for the Associated Press. If this happens, you're sitting and watching this game like, oh, my God, they're going to win this game.
14: I'm going to say if Jalen Ramsey makes a big play in some aspect, whether it's whether it's through interception or through a game changing hit through a fumble, because I feel like this is a lot of ways Jalen Ramsey against everybody, which is exactly how he would want it. You know, it's it's a game where the Rams need big plays to counter Joe's talents. And Ramsey's been waiting his whole life for this game. He says he wants to be matched matched up against Jamar Chase as much as possible. That's something Jalen says during the season when he's facing Debo or DK Metcalf, knowing full well that's not going to happen because that's not how the Rams do business. they use him in a versatile role that requires Jalen to do a bunch of things, puts him in a lot of different positions to make a lot of different contributions. You know, he's the best player on that defense, not named Aaron Donald. The Rams really could use him to come up with an interception like the one he dropped against the Niners or a game-changing hit like he delivered in the opening sequence of Jackass Forever. If he does that, the Rams could be in great shape.
0: Well, that kind of leads me to the next question. Round six, based on the matchups, Greg, which player has the best chance to win Super Bowl MVP should the Rams go ahead and win this game?
14: Uh, Even more so than just the matchups, I'm going to take Cooper Cup because he hasn't slowed down in the playoffs. He's the most important skill player on this team, not named Stafford, obviously. If the Rams succeed in getting the ball to Cup early and often, that means their re- offense is working how it should, and he can be the MVP of the Super Bowl. He's slick. He's fast. He's precise. He's relentless. The way he attacks every play, whether he's the primary target, a decoy, or a blocker, is just impressive to watch on a weekly basis. He won the NFL's receiving triple crown for a reason. It's not just because Matthew Stafford likes him or because Sean McVay calls a lot of plays for him. Cup cashes in on every opportunity he gets. After he missed the Rams' trip to the Super Bowl in 2019 because he blew out his knee, this game means a whole lot to him, and I think he's going to play like it does.
0: Based on the matchups or based on, you know, how this game is going to play out, Charlie, if if the Bengals end up winning, who's going to win MVP for them?
1: Yeah, there's only one reason the Bengals are here. There's only one reason the offense works. There's only one reason they've responded so well in clutch moments. There's only one reason they were able to recruit so many standout free agents in free agency this past season. And that's Joe Burrow. But because of all of that that I just mentioned, to be honest, Burrow could be like nine for 20 for 130 yards. And if they won that game, I probably would still vote for Joe Burrow for MVP. Um, I, I don't think he'll win the most valuable player in the league award. That's not where he would be on my ballot. But you can certainly make the case that no one has had a greater impact on an organization in the NFL than Joe Burrow had on the Bengals this year
0: we move to round seven, which is the game outcome. Last I checked, the Rams are four-point favorites. Depends where you look. Obviously, could see some fluctuation in that. Uh, But we'll go to you, Charlie. Who wins this game and how does it play out?
1: Yeah, the Bengals kind of, to this point, have done everything wrong in the playoffs. They run the ball too much. They settle for way too many field goals in the playoffs. But they've overcome it because these are the three most important things. Who's your quarterback? Can you create explosive plays consistently, and can you force a turnover? And I think the Bengals have done those three things as well as any team in the NFL. So no, I don't think they'll block Aaron Donald. I do think that the Rams offense can have some success. But I think that the the window that Burrow, Chase, and the offense and the turnover creation that they built for themselves is enough, plus the kicker factor with McPherson for a 27-24 win.
0: Charlie, uh, quick, and I'll ask you too, Greg, Charlie, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but Maybe a score prediction for those of us that are in Super Bowl box pools.
1: 27-24 Bengals. 27-24
0: Cincinnati. All right, let's go to Greg. Who wins this game and how does it play out?
14: I'm going to pick the Rams to win and to cover, let's say, by a touchdown. I think their defensive strengths will play well against the Bengals' weaknesses or just averageness in certain areas. And I think their offense has been able to score on everybody lately, which has not always been the case with the Rams. I think there's more pressure on the Rams, but I also think they don't mind that and they actually thrive on it. That's the advantage of having a team led by high-priced veterans. They know what this moment requires, and they'll do what's necessary to get it out of themselves and out of their guys. The way I picture the game going is similar to the Rams' wins over Arizona and Tampa Bay in the playoffs. They'll get off to a decent lead because they're very good at sustaining scoring drives in the first half. They'll have the backing of their home crowd. They'll get in a good groove. At some point, they'll lose that groove on offense because they always do. But when it comes down to needing one drive and one stop to win, the Rams have done it in every game since Thanksgiving weekend except for one. I feel like they can do it one more time, even against a really good Cincinnati point, opponent. I'll pick 31-24 Rams.
0: 31-24 Rams. Uh, I don't think I have any of those numbers, so that stinks for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I have one, one last thing I wanted to talk about. You know, we hadn't seen a home Super Bowl. Until the Bucks last year, and now we've got two in a row. I mean, you guys being there in L.A., what can you talk about the atmosphere and, and
1: how that might affect the game? Yeah, I can go first. Uh, I know, and I've seen it seems like thousands of Bengals fans will be in the crowd. It seems like there's a connection and a relationship between the city and the team that, that's going to have a big connection on a Bengals presence in the Super Bowl. And Matthew Stafford was even saying this yesterday. He has no idea what to expect, whether or not he'll need to use a silent count or whether or not he's going to be able to use a hard count. The Super Bowl is its own beast. It is a neutral game, in my opinion. And I think the Bengals have traveled well enough for it not to be a huge factor.
14: I know enough Rams fans who have tickets to know that I'm pretty sure it's going to be a solid Rams – crowd in, in the stand. I mean, you know, it, like like Charlie said, it is a neutral crowd essentially, but I think the Rams are really going to turn out. Uh, people around the country kind of underestimate what the Rams fan base is like because they saw the San Francisco game. They didn't see the other nine games where the Rams had way more fans than everybody else, even though they essentially betrayed the city by moving for, you know, 36 years to Orange County and St. Louis. So it's big, it's getting bigger. And having said that, I don't think the crowd's going to be a huge factor either way. I think this is going to be one on the field.
0: All right. So I've totaled up the rounds here i, I believe th- the first round i gave you guys a draw because I, I loved both of them i couldn't pick uh between the two of you so you both got a draw for round one uh, round two went to charlie goldsmith and the Bengals um because i liked how you brought you know the stats into it that the Bengals are the third worst o-line and it's their only hope for them to play you said you said only hope uh, for them to win that game is if that offensive line plays better than that uh round three also went to you charlie because i loved how you brought in the two, two stats of yards per attempt and completion percentage. And you kind of package that as most explosive and most efficient. That's the recipe for success. I believe from the quarterback round four went to Greg. I loved your bowling pins analogy of the offensive line of the Bengals. for that went to you Uh, round five also went to you, Greg, Jalen Ramsey, I think, is going to be a really key player to this game. And, and he can do it in both ways. He can intercept the ball. He can force a fumble, as you said. So that went to you. Round six went to you, Greg, um, because, yes, Cooper Cup, triple count, crown, all that. Charlie, I just think your argument was better for Burrow, You know his impact on the organization and all that, more of like a team MVP versus like a, this game MVP. And then round seven, Greg, it went to you. And, <laughs> because you want to know why? I didn't realize this, everything that I've been reading and seeing and watching. The Rams, what did you say? They have one, they needed one drive and one stop, and they've gotten it done every week since Thanksgiving. Right.
14: Yeah, they're, they're, they've won eight of nine, and they've, they've, they've had a lot of close games and they haven't blown a lot of teams out. They've just always been able to execute in the fourth quarter, except against the Niners, and they made up for that in the rematch.
0: Ah, huh, yeah, that, that's pretty good. All right. So, sorry, sorry, Charlie. <laughs> uh, uh, the winner of this, Greg, go ahead, go stomp on him a little bit.
14: We almost went into overtime. That was good.
0: All right. Well, Charlie, congratulations on winning Super Bowl beatboxing. And uh, best of luck to both the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals in this game, guys. I've made my decision. Now it's your turn. Head to Coach McCartan on Twitter. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To cast your vote to give out the listener's choice beatboxing belt. In doing so, please consider Strength of Argument and also Delivery.
8: The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Alexa, play WFAN.
0: Welcome back to Danielle. I guess in the daytime, it got dark out real fast, everybody, on this Super Bowl Saturday. Quick check at Twitter to see who you guys are giving the Listener's Choice Award to Uh, uh, for beatboxing. It looks like Greg from the Rams is leading the votes with about... 10 or so minutes left. Yeah, he was my pick too, but it was a good battle, wasn't it? All right, so it is time for I'm calling it Danielle McCartan at dinner time Super Bowl 56 completely cutthroat prop bet competition. And I have enlisted the help in this cutthroat, completely cutthroat competition of my producer, my trusty producer here, Paul Rosenberg. Paul, how you doing? You ready to lose? Let's rock and roll, Daniel. Oh, ready to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down over there. <laughs> All right. So I, I came up with about set for those of you guys listening, I gave it to him. We did not, we have not seen each other's answers. I came up with seven different prop bets, you know, kind of like multiple choice quiz, and then we're gonna see um who gets the most, correct, out of those seven. And uh, loser has to bring a six pack of the winner's choice in. Next week,
2: I want to make sure this is any six pack. We can do craft beer. We can. Whatever it doesn't have to be, you know. Correct. Bud Light. Correct.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking. I want some White Claws.
2: Claws can work. We'll see. What's your favorite flavor of claws? Black cherry. Ah, uh, what's yours? Sim- simpatico. It's black cherry. Yeah. See. See. Sim- simpatico, right see? there, Daniel. It's black cherry, then followed by pineapple. Yes. Little clementine, maybe.
0: Yes. Yes. A watermelon. I cannot do the mango.
2: What uh, Watermelon, I think, tastes like cough syrup.
0: Oh No, I like the watermelon. All right, we got the top three, right? There you go. All right, so uh, number one, result of the coin toss, and no changing your answers over there, you. Result of the coin toss, I have heads. What do you have?
2: I have tails. Good. Tails never fails. Uh, it's going to be tails all the way. Tails okay. never fails.
0: Team to score first, I have the Rams. I have the Rams. Okay. First commercial in the first commercial break after kickoff will be for What did you have? I had liquor. I had automobile. Okay. Will is my favorite one. Will a curse word escape the censorer during the halftime show? Yes or no? I said no. I said yes.
2: See, I think they're so, like, you know, close to the vest. One, after, obviously, the JT Janna thing. Mm -hmm. Two, in the culture we're in right now, Mm -hmm. I think they're so close to the vest. I think it might be, like, a 30- or 40-second delay.
0: I don't know. Did you see who's going to be on that halftime show? I,
2: I, that's why I think it's going to be a longer delay.
0: Because
2: mm. they, they need to give the censors and NBC enough
0: time. Okay. All right. So you're going uh, no. I'm going yes on that. Combined total final points. Odd or even? I have even. I have even, too. Okay. Color of the Gatorade shower at the end of the game. I went orange. Me, too. It's been orange for the past couple seasons. See, I went orange because I think the Bengals are going to
2: win. Mm-hmm. Orange, orange. That's why I okay. went. that So, because the traditional Gatorade color is orange, but I went orange thinking I, I think the Bengals are going to win.
0: Mm, I went orange just because every year I've done this, it, I picked orange and won. <laughs> so, the, this is good ideas for those of you guys listening, right? All right, and then number seven was who or what will be f- mentioned first during the Super Bowl MVP speech, no matter who it is? God. I said team or teammates. Oh, no, it's a
2: billion percent God. No. Yes, it is. No. I got to thank God. Without him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: Uh, maybe you're right.
2: Uh, it's a, a it's a slam dunk. You got you. They always thank God first.
0: All right, I'm writing my name on this. Write yours. I'll take a picture at the end, and we'll, and I'll post them both up. All right, so that that those are our completely cutthroat prop bets. Brought to you by Danielle and Paul.
2: There you go. Completely cutthroat. Separate prop bet that I'm going to do. That it's a fun one. The octopus bet. The octopus get it around plus 1400 plus 1500 it's a wonderful fun bet bet the octopus <laughs> okay okay do you know what the octopus is daniel uh, i don't see i was hoping you would say what the heck Paul, what's the octopus the octopus is someone who scores a touchdown and a two point conversion on the same drive oh,
0: like eight legs eight points i got it
2: and the octopus so jamar chase gets a touchdown then he receives the two point conversion that's the octopus Bet the octopus, it's 14 to 1. The true odds are probably like 25 or 30 to 1. Yeah. But you're not betting that to make money, you're betting that just to have fun.
0: Yeah. Bet it to have fun. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll go to the calls. 877-337-6666. We have Steve in Flushing, New York. You're up on a fan.
15: Hey, Danielle, what's going on? How are you? Good. Um... Uh... Yeah, I wanted to get to point uh about um had a caller about an hour or so ago uh regarding Ben Simmons. But sure. before I do that, just just a few prospects I wanted to go over since you've been going through this whole Super Bowl thing got me in the mood. Yeah. Um as far as kickers go, Evan McPherson, I think, was over 7.5 points, which I think is kind of low. Um, I would take the over on that, total yeah,
0: points. me too. Uh,
15: yeah, and then the longest field goal, I would go over 47 or 47-plus, 47 so 47 or longer just because McPherson, again, can probably hit that in his sleep and yeah. probably have a few opportunities. And then, um, yeah, because of the front four, of the Rams – um, you know, Bar's going to have to probably dump the ball to running backs a few times. So I would do receiving yards over for both um, P Ryan, I think his name is, mm-hmm. and the other, and then uh, Mixon, right? I think those four are uh, pretty solid bets. Everything else, you know, I, everyone else covers Cooper Cup and you know, I know. Odell and... I've heard
0: enough of Cooper <laughs> Cup and Odell. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
15: So um, yeah, uh, about Ben Simmons. So the caller brought up about an hour ago. He made a good point about how. Um, you know, Ben Simmons just, you know just in the scatting report, says doesn't drive anymore because, you know, he's afraid of getting fouled and going to the line because he's not making he shots. Yeah. Right. So, and, 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 and let's look at Ben Simmons in the past, what's been going on with him. He doesn't, he he used to shoot threes somewhat when he came into the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, he'd go on a cold streak and now he just stopped shooting threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd shoot, you know, jump shots or, um you know, two point shots. Uh, he doesn't hit him anymore, so he just stops scoring. You know, when he goes to the basket. He'll just pass it back to a teammate. Yeah. What what that is? That's all a confidence issue. So, yes. like. Like, I remember your, your response to him was, well, if he just practices every day, you know, he'll get better at free throws, like I forgot who you mentioned. But the big difference is all those guys already have confidence, and they just need the reps to sort of get muscle memory. Yeah, that's kind this of guy, what I was going they, for, yeah. Yeah, but this guy, it's not about muscle memory. With him, he can already do it. With him, it's it's a head game. So it has to do with his own mental issues. So... To me, they're all connected. Like that's oh. a major red flag. Like if he can shoot free throws. Basically, any, anything he can't do well. Instead of saying I'm going to try hard and, and get practice and do better, like a normal confident person, healthy person would do, he he does the opposite. He goes, "Well, I'm just not going to do it anymore because I don't want to deal with the criticism." Because I, I, he just has low self confidence, and it just crushes him when other people. Well, sort Steve, of-
0: it's hard for you and I to sit here and say that because we're not at practice with him. We don't know what he does at practice. We don't. We don't know. We're not there. But you know what I'm saying. In yeah, the make game, it t-
15: you see it. In the game, you see, like the guy said, he doesn't drive anymore. He used to, um, you know, because he's missing his free throws. So it's like, it's not really, it's two so, different. So in like, 2021, uh,
0: tw- the last season, that's the last season he played, his free throw right. percentage was among, I mean, it, it, I, higher than two of his four seasons in the league, it, in third place. So, you know, it, it, he greatly improved in free throw shooting from his first two seasons into the last Past two seasons, and I'm looking at you know the percentages across the board. They're not great. He's just not great to begin with.
15: Right, right. But like I said, most people when they're healthy will be like, I'm gonna you know fight this and overcome this. With him, it's like. The more the more he does it, the more he sees people notice it. He just runs away from it. That has to do with probably traumatic past things that happened where people probably push hard on him or did some, I'm not a psychiatrist, but it, it probably links to what he's going
0: through. I mean, and- it could. And Steve, Steve, listen, I've coached kids, and, and sure, I do know that that there could be a link, but I can't. We're not going to sit up here and diagnose that as, as saying, boom, that is the reason why. It could be. It could be a multitude of different things. It could be, you know, sometimes just a change of scenery. Is what a person needs to flourish and succeed. It could just be as simple as that. So let's let's hold off. Let's see what he can do here. Although I think the bar that Nets fans I, uh, unanimously have set for him has has been quite low. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Camden. You're up on a fan, Kevin. Go ahead. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? Thanks for I'm, calling in. I'm
16: good. Hey, you're welcome. I want to talk a little bit about the lockout first. I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to get to my Super Bowl pick, which I want to save that for last. Okay. Um, as the lockout, this is ridiculous. These owners are, and owners and players are both, um, they're both greedy. I'll just put it that way. And I will say this: I agree with you. They need to get they need to get something going. I will say this, but when I when I read the Universal DH, i I'm loving the death and go. Yes. The Mets needed that. Needed that. I'm happy with that. That benefits the Mets in so many ways. Yeah. Guess who, Guess who's going to be the
0: Mets DH? That's uh, with? Yeah, maybe, but I'm thinking more uh, Cano.
16: I'd rather not I know. I'm telling you. I get it. He's coming back. There's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. And then you got the the elimination of the draft pick competition, which I'm okay with that too. I'm I'm okay with that. But to get to the Super Bowl, I, to get to the Super Bowl pick, I'm kind of with you. I'm I'm thinking the Rams are going to win, and my and, I, and pretty much for the same reasons you're saying because. Burrow with the interception and the defense, I, I'm with you in the same boat. So my prediction, 31-28 Rams.
0: 31-28, yeah, similar to mine, yeah, 31-28 Rams. Similar. I
16: think just a couple of points off. But yep. I think we we both think in the same, both pretty much aligned there. But I, I kind of want the Bengals to win, but I I do I just don't think it's going to happen. I know, my heart
0: like, wants the Bengals to win. It reminds me of the Jets and how they've never won it before. And, and yeah, it's, yeah the no, underdog I story. just think the Rams are
16: too experienced. Yeah. You got and, Cooper Cup. you got Odell Beckham. And then you got Stafford. I mean, it's just experience often often trumps youth in, the, in these in, this, in these types of games.
0: And so also, that. too, defense wins championships. It's just like completely Daddy, Daddy so also very underrated. True. Yeah.
16: Yep. And I also think the MVP is Aaron Donald. I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. I, I'm, I'm like we're in sync pretty much. Yeah. With that. So I mean, listen. Well, I, didn't, I didn't see any of the commercials. I don't know who's doing what. So I'm going to be tuning in. I don't like. I don't know what's going on tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the halftime. I don't know the commercials. So it's going to be a whole new thing for me. So we'll see what happens. But I'm looking forward to a great game. Yeah, I
0: well, me too. You know what that is, Kevin? I hope it's just a good game. I hope it's not a blowout either way. Really?
16: Yeah, because I I'm mean, to it was a couple years ago. It was so boring out there. It was like oh, it was all defense. I want to. I want to see a good game. Two teams that well, the, the never the the Rams don't. The, Second time, what, four years? And the Bengals haven't been there. So it's just, it's of new for all of us to see, and I'm looking forward
0: to a great one. Yeah, me too, Kevin. And thanks. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll be tweeting during but, it, I'm sure. Thanks, Coach.
16: Yep, yep. I will be. All
0: right.
10: Ciao. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Um, they do say, too, and don't forget that old adage, defense wins championships. Telling you, the Rams have a much better defense than the Bengals do. To Dobbs, fair we go. And Sparky, you're up on a fan, Sparky. How are you? All right, yourself? I'm good. Uh, Coach, first of all, as
13: far as baseball, both sides are, like, living in a fantasy world. They they don't realize right now, it's not like 94 where fans came back and it was because of a fake home run record chase. And this time, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people still are going to be fearful of going to games because of the pandemic. Mm. And, um... Now as far as Kyrie Irving, you know how he could straighten himself out? Take a page from your book. Cause I'll tell you, when you were talking to Boomer size and he brought up about you being on a softball team, I never heard anybody so happy in my entire life. <laughs>
0: What do you what do you mean? I'm just happy to be picked up. I'm I'm happy to be acknowledged for the talent that I have and we're going to win the game, Sparky.
13: I guarantee it. Oh, I I, I wouldn't bet against you. <laughs> no, but I mean the fact that you you're having fun.
0: Of course that's you what know? this is. It's fun.
13: It's a it's supposed to be fun. And now as far as the Harden trade uh I think the match more or less, woke up and realized this team really the way everything was working just isn't going to be good enough to win no matter what. Yeah. Okay. And the, the fact they got players in return who look like they have some talent, like Curry, Drummond. Okay. And you know, and the thing is, what is gonna it's gonna be very very interesting. Just the fact. You got a guy in Harden that can walk at the end of the year, and they still got two number ones out of it,
0: which is good because they sold the farm to get him there to begin with. And and that I think the biggest takeaways from that trade to me: forget Simmons, forget Drummond. I I like to see Curry out there because I think Joe Harris is going to be out longer than people think. And those two picks were very crucial to get back; very important.
13: Oh no, coach! You're right. Let's face it: they did give up a lot for this guy. But, you know, but but the thing is, too, the Nets, unfortunately, you know, it sounded good on paper with these guys getting all these guys. But when you got guys like Harden and Irving who have been like cage rattlers in other locations, mm-hmm. you it's a forewarning. You might be seeing trouble, you know. I mean, i got this weird concept. If you see smoke, there's a good chance you might see a fire. Yeah,
0: I'm with you on that. And I'm thinking, and Sparky, thanks for the call. There are some good points. Uh, One, uh, Alex Schiffer, who's a good friend of the show from The Athletic, and he covers the Nets for The Athletic, he has a quote from just a few minutes ago, or I guess a little while ago, but he said, uh, this is from Kevin Durant. You know, the Nets, by the way, are on a 10-game losing streak, and Alex Schiffer says, this is from Kevin Durant, quote, we know we're in some deep s." expletive the one that starts with an s poop yes we know we're in some deep poop we understand that but with one win things can change end quote that's from kevin durant via alex schiffer yeah well cue the miley cyrus the climb song because it's going to be a real uh real stiff battle real stiff climb or whatever however the lyrics go uh the nets are in the nets are in a world of trouble especially since simmons when is he going to be able to go He's got to get up to bat. He hasn't played a game in 273 days. When is he going to be ramped up enough to go play M- M- uh, N- NBA basketball? I don't know. So I'm taking you up, up right up until uh, Nets pregame. So we got to catch just a few more minutes here on the fan. Anything is on the table for you. We'll do a quick round robin at the end if you want to get aboard. 877-337-6666. The Knicks stand pat at the deadline. The Nets make a move to ship out James Harden. Was he the right guy to ship out to begin with? Uh, th- th- there has been little to no movement, I'd say. I would categorize it as that in, in the uh, MLB lockout. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's a big game tomorrow. It's called the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Saturday here on The Fan. I'm Daniel McCarthy. The
8: Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Super Bowl. Better odds and favorable prices.
0: This song, Dr. Dre and Eminem, you'll probably hear it tomorrow. I know every single word to this song. I won't do it now because the curse word is probably going to slip out. We don't have a 40-second delay, but i take my word for it. This is a classic. You'll hear this tomorrow night. I'm Danielle McCartney. In the last couple minutes here on The Fan, a heartbreaker for the Knicks, a meltdown in the third quarter, the last five minutes of the third quarter, I should say. The Knicks led by as many as 23 points. They ended up losing by what? looks like nine Wow. Portland grabbed the momentum at the beginning of the fourth quarter and did not look back. The Knicks scored 11, 1, one, 11 points in that fourth quarter. Wow. They end the road trip one and four, and they also fall half game in the standings. The Knicks are in a world of trouble. So got a few minutes left here on the fan. 877 337 6666 to Highland park, New Jersey. And Elon, you're up on a fan.
17: Hey, Danielle. First time, long time with you, you know, long time caller, at WFAN. Good segue with the song. Uh, Cause I'm uh, I've been low key. Y'all know me, but I'm the same old G. Right. But I've been low key. That's
0: right. Good job. Is this Doctor Dr. Dre? I know the
17: words too. Great song. <laughs> anyway, let's get to let's get to the sports here. Uh, yeah. I know you're up against it, so I just wanted to be on the air. I'm, I make my points quick. Um, I think Thibodeau, This was the this is the breaking point. You know, I, as much as I loved him last year, he's got to go a little bit. Yeah. He's had an awful season, and uh, you know, he uh, tonight he panicked. And he took the starters, the, put the starters back in. Yes. They're only human. They got a rest. And he does a lot of things. I just I haven't been impressed. And one more thing about the Giants, if I can. Sure. Um, Wait, I, real quick. Real quick. They,
0: Randall, 41 they, minutes. 48, 36 minutes. Grimes, yeah, 37 many, minutes. Many. Way too many. Too many. They
17: were tired. They were tired. Yep. And, uh, I saw Which expl- the explains the, qu-
0: for, uh, the fourth quarter meltdown, by the way. Go ahead.
17: Yeah, they were tired for sure, and they on the rebounding in the late in the game. They they, they were getting out rebounded. They weren't hustling on the rebound. They were tired. Yep. But um, in terms of the um the Giants, uh, I saw they brought back their uh, uh, special teams coordinator, which I wasn't sure about because I I, I hate the way they cover punts. Then if they're gonna bring back the quarterback, uh, the coordinator, then they they got to get a new punter, maybe the guy from Rutgers At or up. Sackles. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Yeah, Elon, yeah, well, okay, well that's, gonna...
0: that's with the uh, – thanks for calling. It. That's with the end of the draft. let hit the late, later rounds or four, maybe. New punters. Oh, knows? Well, everybody, that was fun. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you on this Super Bowl Saturday. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start, which was 5 p.m. Hey, great job to Connor Green and to Paul Rosenberg behind the glass tonight and Erica on the updates. I'll see you next Saturday night after the Nets game. Hopefully a win. And again, the very next day, a Danielle doubleheader coming your way next weekend. In the meantime, hit my socials at CoachMCCARTAN on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com, slash Coach McCartens. Keep the conversation going. I'll see you at the Devils game on Tuesday. And Brooklyn Nets, Miami Heat pregame show with Carino and Capstraw coming your way next here on The Fan in New York City. Sports Radio 101.9 FM we hey.